It's the State of Combat podcast on CBS Sports with the Ryan Campbell, all box, all the time, ready to filleth that syringe until it's runneth over for another injection of the performance-enhancing audio. The Brian Campbell, without question, the voice that you hear, ready to cool you off just enough and get you fired back up for a weekend recap on all things box and a big-time preview for what is to come again. Come on, let me let me put some water on your balls. You know what I'm talking about here. What other show puts their balls on the line? We got that kind of package on this show. Backed, jacked, sponsored, all that good stuff. Hey, if you like this show, it's about, you're a little bit overdue. You're a little bit overdue on heading on over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you find fine audio and giving us that five star review. Look guys, it's a tug and war of kindness, but it takes you pumping it more than once. Thank you. Very, very much. Guys, we got a loaded show for you today. This was a weird weekend from the bare knuckle bonanza of Paulie down in Tampa, if you will. Thank you, man. At least some people got the score right. Although most people didn't, to, uh, Jermel Charlo sending that man to hell. We're gonna have the breakdowns, BC and Rafe Bugs. Also, two fantastic guests today that you're not gonna wanna miss. WBC middleweight title holder Jermall Charlo going to get you fired up for this Saturday Showtime main event when he takes on former contender winner Brandon the Cannon Adams. We're also going to hear Jermall tell you a little bit about Jermell and the life of Lions Only and whether we can get that tattoo on Vonis' skin. You know what I'm talking about there. Hey, don't bury the lead. We've also got Hall of Fame trainer Freddie Roach on this show this week. Getting you fired up for Pacquiao Thurman, July 20th on Fox Pay-Per-View. Going to talk about Manny's camp. Probably going to hear Freddie predict another knockout. Hopefully, we can get Freddie saying... You can't handle your spin, son. Yes, thank you very much. All right, let me bring in my best friend in box, the heart and soul of the show, the Athletics Boxing Features Writer, Former Eater editor, he's a New York Times high-selling author. He is Rafe Bartholomew. Let me lick you. Let me lick you down. Licked by Blair. Oh wow. Licked by Blair. What? Hey, it's Rafe Bugs, uh, from the West Coast with Love, only you're still in New York. How is it, brother? They can't get me out. They still got me in the cage here in New York. I'm listening very well, but tomorrow I am gonna be let out, sent back to the West Coast to continue sowing my wild oats all wow. across this great nation. Personally, I think you should finish in, oh, it, it just might have. Knowing you on this show, you never know what you're going to put in a bottle while this show. Who else? Yeah, exactly. Give them the one I mixed, Brian. Just give them that It'll work out. No, I will not shake your hand after that. Thank you very, very much. All right, Rave, how is life? How is the athletic brother? Because I've been reading your ish not to put you over every week, but if you haven't checked out Rafe Books' uh, profile on the the difficultness of Tyson Fury at the moment. I love that ish. 
Yeah, well, that I wouldn't. I don't know if I would call that a profile. I didn't actually get to spend a lot of deep time with the GK talking about traveler things, really getting to know him, going through the ins and outs. But I, tr- I kind of tried to organize a bunch of different quotes relating to his his uh, his career and just the sport of boxing and and the many different because like the guy lies all the time. Can we say that? I mean, that's fine. It's boxing. Everyone's lying all the time. Tyson Fury is the best at it. He's entertaining. He's believable. Even when he contradicts himself at the, you know, he, he, the, the thing I liked, I thought of that was clever to put myself over, which is a bad idea, was the famous Bob Arum line, yesterday I was lying, today I was telling the truth. With Tyson Fury, sometimes it feels like at the beginning of the sentence I was lying at the end of it, I'm telling the truth. He's like the evolutionary version of Bob. He can sell anything. And we love it, but we also kind of have to keep him in check a little bit. All right, all right. That's interesting. Um, shout out to, uh, in fact, Tyson Fury's Irish crew. Shout out to the Alex Godinez 80K crew. Shout out to At Quality Bloke. That guy is uh, really, really making a move at, at Godinez's, uh co- on his corner, if you will. You know, you think we have to promote that fight by the end of the year for uh, for best fan of this podcast? Uh, Brian, I think you're just trying to instigate a little bit of Twitter beef here. I, I know the game. I, I know this game, Brian, believe it wow. or not. You gotta listen to what I'm telling you. This, these things happen. You, you try and, you try and tease the bag a little bit and see if, see if we get a little bit of mess. And it's good, it's good for interaction. It's good for the social. All right. Well, shout out to those fellas. Shout out to, uh, hotel chains in the islands of the Philippines. We had an orgy for two days. Never screwed so many women in my life. He was telling the truth on no, that no. one. Just so you no, know. No, 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 no. That one. Uh, baby, I just don't get it. You, you enjoy being hurt. hurt. I know it's not your perfume. The makeup on his shirt. If I was your gypsy baby. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you sent me a great clip of Fury's brother, Tommy, on what? That, uh. uh that, oh, are you talking about Tommy on Love Island or yeah. Shane Fury explaining how they're just going to take all the money and never make any of the no, good fights? No, 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 That's for next week's show. Uh, the, the, you sent me the Tommy, clip. Tommy, yes. Tommy Fury, the, is he, is he fighting at cruiserweight, light heavyweight? He's had a couple of pro fights. Uh, he's, doesn't look, he doesn't have the body of a Fury. He is a much more svelte, <laughs> fit, tanned fellow. Great looking dude. He's on this Temptation Island show in the UK called Love Island. And he, uh. Sex Island, he, if you will. If you will. <laughs> he will. Yes. Yes. All about, it's, all, it's all about, it's all about the lube, man. All right. Keep going. Well, look, that's, I mean, have you, what, what was the clip you're talking about? The one where he finds out about yes. the Josh Ruiz fight? He finds out in real time that Eje was sent to L by, uh, by, all fetch fellows can fight, Rafe, as you already know, okay? So that was interesting. Tommy could not, Tommy Bahama could not believe it. All right, revisit that collaboration. Others, speaking of collaboratizing, there's no movement this week on the idea of getting our hero, YouTube Boxing's own Richard Dwyer on this show. Love Dwyer. Where are you, Dwyer? Are you on this board? Yes. Hi, it's Dwyer. The week of the fight. But, uh, but I will continue that, that crusade, that fight. We need it. Okay. We need to find out who this man is, what makes him tick, because we can't figure out yet, Rafe, whether he is crazy or crazy like a fox, right? Like we don't know if he's an evil genius 
or just evil. We don't know if he has figured out a formula and a shtick, or maybe he's just bat-ish awesome. Where do you, what's, where do you fall on that? Well, I think, Brian, that this man, as he's informed us, is a hedge better, Brian. So he's hedging that bet. He's giving, he's showing you a little bit of crazy, showing you a little bit of funny, a little bit of crazy, sexy, cool, a little bit of mo money, mo problems. Uh, he's giving you a little bit of everything, keeping you on your toes, and you're not going to be able to know. And it is part of the plan. It is part of the plan, but it's also natural. He's hedging. I know I sound like a crackpot. Not the first time. But as Dwyer has taught us about looking at the entire man, I need to find this out, Rafe. I mean, I've looked at different people before. I've looked at a lot of guys. I need to look deeper to find out about Richie. Cannot wait. Love the man. I know. Look, look. We know what the truth is. He is the B-E-S-T. And I got news for you, Brian. There are many people, many people who think the same. Yes. Don't fall in love with a YouTube presenter who does no longer exists. That's what we are going to try to figure out. Thank you. Enough of that. It's time to pod. Let's talk math. Let's talk boxing. Let's talk Jeff Horn. No, just kidding. Uh, let's talk a word from our friends and sponsors. Oh, yeah. Dig it. On May 23rd. I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? Yucky dokey. Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not gonna survive this. Evil. The final season. Streaming May 23rd. Only on Paramount Plus. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. And we're back, Raphael Boogs, BC, coming at you. Oh, yeah. A lot of big-time guests today, Rafe. A lot of fun coming your way. Uh, oh, I was also filming this past weekend, Rafe, in Los Angeles, your new backyard, although you weren't there, the PBC Face-to-Face episode featuring Manny Pacquiao and Keith Thurman. I can undress it a little bit later after we talk to Freddie if you want, but uh all I'm telling the people is... Sunday, June 30th, revisit that show on Fox, okay? A lot you know of interesting I will. stuff. You know I will. There. All right. Anyway, uh, you know what? Did you want to sell anything, Rafe? You sell, you got to, you, nothing? I, 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 look, I sell, I, my, my, my body of work, the whole man here that you're speaking to. Yes. It sells itself. All right. I'll see you on Love Island, Brian. All right. All right, that that works. That works. All right. We did dope. We've been doing doping from the beginning. Yes, we have. Okay, let's get into the weekend recap, Rafe. A lot of weird stuff, a lot of wacky stuff going on in the sport of boxeo. But I want to start off in terms of the biggest marquee fight, and it was Sunday night on Big Fox. Former junior middleweight 
world title holder, Jermel Charlo, Lions only. Where does he rank among the best fighters in the world, you may be asking me, Rafe? Are you asking nope, me? not really, but... Yeah, you know I'm the best. Yeah. Oh, thank you, Marcos Villegas. Um, oh, by the way, you sent me Dwyer, who, who's the king of butchering names. We have to give Dwyer that, all right? I don't know if it's calculated or not, but Dwyer has a history... Sergei Kovalev. He has a history. <laughs> Alexander Grovestick. Of butchering names, and we love that about him. Here's his take on our boy Marcus from Fight Hub TV and PBC on Fox Boxing. Marcos Viejas has done a spectacular job. The journalist. The journalist. The right? journalist. Not the adult male dancer. The journalist, all right? But love that. Is that how you pronounce it in, in Espanol? Um... I have not heard Marcos ever pronounce his name that way. I, I believe I've, every time I've heard Marcos say his last name, he has used a hard G with that last syllable. Marcos Viegas. Thank you. At least somebody got the pronunciation right. All right. Uh, in Las Vegas, it was Jermel Charlo not facing Tony Harrison in that much hyped rematch, which left my face to face episode with the two on the cutting room floor forever. Instead, it was Charlo against late replacement Jorge Cota, the demon. And, El demonio. and he sent that demon back to hell, Rafe, with the help of Jay Nady. Good Lord. Wow. Holy crap. He took his nuts, now you got to take his heart. Yeah, take his whole soul away. <laughs> he took a piece of his soul, and he was done. Yeah, so. good Lord, he was done. Um, It was a right hand from hell that dropped Coda. Jay Nady allowed him to get up. Very wobbly, not steady. Jay's like, go ahead, walk back into traffic. And Jermel dropped that one, too, knocked him out cold under the ropes. I liked it overall, Rafe, because it was a statement. And I had a lot of people on Twitter going, how do you make a statement when you fight a bum? I don't think Jorge Cota's a bum necessarily, one. Two, when you feel you've been robbed of your world title and your comments include, I'm going to take it out on the rest of the division, and you come out on national television and send a guy to hell, you have made a statement. I'm okay with that. This is what Charlo needed to do, Rafe, and he did it. All right? Yeah, that's fair. I think that you can you can quibble with the, the opponent, but this wasn't the opponent Charlo was supposed to fight. It wasn't the opponent Charlo wanted to fight. He wanted to fight the immediate rematch, get his belt back, or attempt to get his belt back against Tony Harrison. It's really hard to blame... Either Jorge Cota or or Jermel Charlo for that at this point. It's just a bad situation. He's making the most of it. And yeah, Cota was awkward. He he was competitive in those first two rounds. It's just it, this is what happened. This is the this is the Jermel Charlo we know right now. He he he's not he's trying to be a knockout puncher for better and perhaps for worse against Tony Harrison. What some of the trouble he had in that fight was looking for the big punch, waiting to hurt Harrison rather than just working boxing and winning and banking rounds. And a lot, I think it's, he has, it, that was a very close fight, not one I scored. So I'm not really going to get into, do I think he was robbed or really deserved a victory in that? But that, that, in any case, against Jorge Cota, he can wait for that moment, right? He needed to catch him once clean with that beautiful right and then finish. It's not always going to work against the best fighters in this weight class or any weight class. So, yeah, he looked good. He made that statement. He did what he had to do. It wasn't such a, a brutal knockout in the end that 
it all I, it was one where you're like, oh my god, that's awesome, and then ten seconds later, you're like, oh man, maybe like Fox went in for the tight close up, yes, and Jorge Cota's eyes just rolling farther, farther back into his head. Jermel Charlo was like, not today, Satan, take this demon yes. back to hell, and. It was it was one of those yeah it was an ugly scene there at the end. Thankfully, there's been no reporting about any greater injuries. But this is a dangerous this is a dangerous sport. This is a hood sport. Um, it was it was nasty there. But that's what that's what Charlo has to do, and he did it. Would he do? Do I think that against Tony Harrison, he he shouldn't just look for a knockout? Yes, but you know, one fight at a time. We'll see. We'll, well see how he problem. fights against Harrison. Here's the, uh, you already know Jermel's the best. Yes. But here's the problem. He looks spectacular when you come at him. Erickson Lubin, Charles Hatley, that one year when he knocked those two guys and removed their souls on, on TV, it looked like, oh my God, this guy is a breakout star. Jermel Charlo was supposed to be the boxer of the two Charlo twins. And now he's the finisher. Yeah. He's the finisher when you come at him. What Jermel Charles hasn't figured out to do yet, Rafe, is if he's forced to take the lead, can he throw enough punches? So Coda turned out, turned out to be the perfect foil in the sense that you saw that absurdly wide stance that Jorge Coda employed. And by doing that weird wide stance as a southpaw, and I'll give Coda credit, he had awkward rhythms to him and he did move his head, but ultimately, he doesn't have the speed of a Cotto, of, I'm sorry, of a Charlo. So when he walks in with that weird wide stance that, that inevitably makes him square up, He's, it's target practice. So you can do that against a Coda. But what about when you get a smart and ballsy Tony Harrison who's not going to stay in your pocket, in your wheelhouse, in your strike zone long enough and actually has things like speed and some pop so he can counter your jab and he can do difficult things to make, to slow down your output. The bet, whether you thought Harrison won or lost, the best thing you can say is he lowered Charlo's output to give him a chance to backdoor that win. And if you're not bum rushing Charlo, he doesn't look great. So shout out to Tony Harrison and everyone else who's ever backdoor to win. Am I right, Brian? But what I was going to say, we've seen when Tony Harrison uh, loses fights, we've seen that he has a tendency to fade a little bit. He doesn't have the best. His ten, his, there are some questions, I would say, about his chin or his punch resistance. We've seen him fade and lose, get stopped by Willie Nelson and by Jarrett Hurd. And in both of those fights, there were late stoppages. And that, but, but Nelson and Hurd put themselves in position to win those fights because of their activity, because of the pressure. I think that Jermil Charlo, for all of his great confidence, which is obviously a, a strength in the ring, a strength for him as a fighter, he would be wise to maybe not be overconfident and think, as long as I fight, my fight, I'm the best. I'm all, you already know I'm the best. I win no matter what. No, go in with a game plan. Plan to pressure. Plan to figure out a way to get to Harrison late because you know that's a way to beat him. Indeed, indeed. I, I think Jermel is one of the most talented fighters in the sport. I think he needs to work on that mindset and that strategy a little bit differently. You just nailed it. Go walk people down and have that in your game that you can be a seek and destroy guy if needed. But when the idea of making this fight again to end 2019, which seems like the plan, Harrison Charlo too, I think this was kind of best case scenario for PBC. They wouldn't have planned it this way with a Fox main event with Jorge Coda in there, but you, you rebuilt Jermel's confidence. Jermel's an emotional dude. We know this. And you added this highlight real thing to use 
heading into that rematch. So it could turn out to be best case scenario for all. Hey, when I interview Freddie Roach later in this show, what would be his response if I brought up? You have a little bit of fun with the bag. You play with it. What would he think I was talking about when I presented that to him? I honestly don't know. I don't think he would necessarily get it right away um, because I don't know if he's clued into the uh, 12-year-old innuendo Adam Sandler fan never grew up kind of wow. nature of our show. Wow. If, if you go through the motions and explain to him, hey, basically we use boxing as a way to make bad sex jokes like we're in third oh, grade. Oh, come on. That's a, that's and, a blow blow. Come on. It's not a blow blow. Okay? It's it, it's a good pants, Brian. Um, I don't know why he turned half German at the end. Shout out to Bobby Pacquiao, uh, soon to be mayor of a town somewhere in the Philippines. Um, that's not actually true, but I wouldn't I wouldn't count it out. Someday. Manny told me he's so, a congressman. I asked Manny, what's up with Bobby these days? Good God, Bobby is already in Congress. I have to look that up. Man, I usually I'm on top of this stuff. God. Oh, all the ridiculousness in boxing and in the world. Yeah, yeah. well, you're feeling it. <laughs> you're feeling it. That's right. Watch yourself. Watch yourself. Uh, Guillermo Rigondeaux was back at 38, Rafe, even though Twitter reminded us that he looks 58. Uh, came back against Julio Ceja in this co-main event, a WBC junior featherweight eliminator. And to the surprise of all of us, Rafe, Rigo stood in the pocket all night long phone booth. Rafe, this was the the Guillermo Rigondeaux we dreamed of. We begged for all those years, and he was in a straight-up brawl with Julio Ceja before stopping him late on a beautiful left hand and a questionable stoppage from Russell Mora. Break this down, because you know me, Cop and I, your your, your teammate Cop and your teammate BC, we're old-school, day-one-ish Rigo fans, all right? Top cooperators, quality blokes. Holy crap, I love this fight. I love the fight too, Brian. I, I want you to pump the brakes more than once, though, on saying this is the Rigo we dreamed of. This is not the Rigo we dreamed of. Yes, perhaps in his better days earlier in his pro career, we wanted Rigo to be more active, a little more willing to engage, not so cagey and just willing to try and win a round by not throwing a punch or just not even, throw, you know, just giving away a round here and there because he didn't care and he knew he had a fight in the bag. He, we, we wanted some more from Rigo, but this is not, this is going, this is, if this is a course correction, we've gone way too far. He's gone way too far. He is, or at least was, better than this, Brian. This is not the good version of Guillermo Rigondio. Well, this is not, this is a fun version and this may be the best version going forward. If perhaps his legs are just gone, he can't move anymore. See, and I disagree with fight that. down and fight, but this ain't the Rigo we wanted to see. He shouldn't be going life and death with Julio Ceja. That ain't Rigo, man. He was, he was one of the best. He's one of the best amateurs of all time. He's one of the best. He was one of the best pound for pound fighters in the world. He outclassed Nonito when, when Nonito was looking like a top two or three pound for pound fighter on the planet coming off a, a fighter of the year campaign. That, that version of Rigo was not always fun, but that was a great fighter. And the, the fighter in the ring last night was a faded fighter. All right. I'm, I'm going to correct you in a second that I do have that frame poster above my head. 
Rigando Donaire, April 13th, 2013. Little, little known fact, that was the day I first met Eric Raskin, our friend from the Showtime Raskin and Mulvaney podcast. Met him in the men's room in the basement of Radio City Music Hall. Anything you want to share about that? Did either of you step on the other's toe in the urinal? Give a little nudge. Uh, did you shake hands at, did, did, how was the, the hand washing? Do we get a little behind the scenes? views well he was way shorter than i expected that's his that's his issue but uh uh he did pump it more than once that was a little but a uh, great man love that love eric raskin all right love him thank you shout out to uh coach whitner in eighth grade who uh used to say anything more than a shake and you're playing with it wow <laughs> i love that i love that all right uh where i was going with it is this when I started tweeting out during this fight, oh, my God, Rico, wow, people are like, hey, dude, his legs are gone. It's sad to see. How could you be cheering for him to take more punishment? This is sad. Um, I didn't see sadness, and I also didn't see shot legs because, Rafe, he wasn't trying to escape but was forced into a brawl. From round one, he parked his legs in that center of that ring and was willing to bang. And I started saying on Twitter, guys, look, hold the phone here. I don't think this is a shot fighter. Look, he's 38. He's not the same as he was the Donaire fight. There seems to be a calculated situation going on. And was there danger in that? Yes. Rigo got hit with bombs. He got wobbled twice. But I think he knew his craft and his power would win out, and it did. And then after the fight, Rigandau said, this was our plan to go in there and be more exciting and be more aggressive. So I wonder, Rafe, look, Rikendow's been through this before. Signed with Rock Nation, signed with this promoter, given another chance, given a third chance, given a fourth chance, and he would go out there and do Rigo things and lay a giant fat egg and not make any money and sit on the shelf. Remember when he couldn't even fight on US TV for a while? He was in, like, Japan against some... Japanese guy on like New Year's hey, Eve. That was a fun fight. That was, right? that was and, life and or the death. announced team would have would sold it to the max. But here's the deal. I wonder if all that time sitting out, you know, you spend your money. Rigo's like, look, I got one more run in me. I got I got to do it now. I'm on national TV. I got to be exciting. I know I can take this man's punches. I know I can finish him with my technique. I'm going to be the guy everybody complained I wasn't because this is my last chance to cash in. Tell me I'm wrong, Rafe. I don't think you're all the way wrong. And I also don't agree with anyone who said that he is shot or done. He's fading. You can tell. I think his legs are more. I mean, look, his legs have been fading. I don't even know if if we in the United States ever saw what Rigo with his best legs were earlier in his amateur career. I, I he, he has never been a guy to move around the ring fast and use it that way. He even even in his his better performances five years ago, he was moving back and forth to control distance, but really doing a lot of a lot of upper body movement, sort of just backing up, making a guy just miss, and then countering and and, and controlling the pace of the fight with counters and with his power. Um, he wasn't he wasn't dancing around, and we saw when he had to face. Vasily Lomachenko with the huge size disadvantage and a number of things going on in that fight. Really what it was was with Lomachenko's legs, which is the issue for everyone. But 
he he didn't want to turn. He couldn't keep up. He couldn't handle that speed at that point in his his career. And there were points points in that fight where Lomachenko's moving around him, and and that's Rigando all of a sudden is just like crouching down in a in, in, in turtling up almost. That that's because I think partly his legs have been going consistently gradually over the years, and and I think this is another sign of that. That doesn't mean that they're done. Doesn't mean that he's done. It, I do think that he's not the fighter he once was. And I do think, I, I, I believe that he did make a conscious decision in this fight, maybe to just go to war a little bit because he says, you know what? I am a better puncher. I have good power. I'm going to catch this guy eventually. And I, and, and he fought like that. He was right. Even if the stoppage was bad. I even, even though he seemed to be losing on the scorecards just on, amount, on account of activity, I still, I, I believed he was going to land a punch like the one that ended the fight or a series of punches to end the fight because you could tell that he was landing very sharp, very sharp punches that were sending, sending Seha's head swiveling left and right up and down the uppercuts. I mean, they, they, they were nasty. And so I, I'm, I do agree that it was intentional. I'm not doubting that side of it, but I just, this is not the Rigo that always should have been this is not the best version of Rigo this is uh, a fighter a great you know a formerly great fighter or a great former champion fighting in his, making his last stand and being forced because of some of the because of what age does to a fighter being forced to be way more entertaining than he would have had to be at his best you look at the top 10 at 122 and it's such a weird division and you know, Dan Rayfield's ESPN.com ranking still has Rigo number one. But then as you go down that list, you don't see another PBC fighter. You see a lot of ESPN to zone guys. I think you have to go down to number 10 unbeaten Brandon Figueroa to finally find a PBC fighter. So the idea of what's PBC's potential end game with using Rigo's name as a B side, is it Figueroa or will we end up seeing them offer Rigo a lot of money to go back up to 26? And inevitably lose to one of these more sexier names, Rafe. Well, that fight last night was an eliminator for the mandatory shot. Uh, and I think the BO or whichever, whichever organization has, uh, Ray Vargas as the champion and Ray Vargas is fighting, uh, Toki Kameda in July. And, and obviously Vargas is a golden boy fighter, but if, if, and golden boy and PBC is probably the most on uh, the line that that least gets crossed in in boxing these days because of the the the, the cheerful history between Oscar and uh, and Al Heyman. But um, if Kameda wins, I could see them making that fight and and giving Kameda a chance to to avenge what what Rigo did to Hiyoshi Amagasa those that back then in Japan that year uh, that 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 New Year's Eve. If not, I don't know what the plan is. I hope right. it's not to force him up to 126 and make him fight like Leo Gary or Russell or Leo or something like that. I'd rather it be Leo, but because it was a fight we had always wanted to see for years. But look, it's he's small for 22. Something his old manager Gary Hyde, remember that crazy Irishman used to say mm-hmm. um, that he could probably still make 118. He looks small at 22 still. But I love that man. I will love Rigo forever. Real quick, did you watch uh, the swing belt, including? Uh, top or not top, but a junior middleweight unbeaten prospect, Joey Spencer, some white guy against Akeem Black and uh, Black bloodied his nose and seemed to in the fourth round of a six round fight have Joey Spencer gassing out and maybe ready to shoot his L. 
yet predictably those judges came through with uh five rounds to one across the board for Spencer. Rafe, he lost that fight. Yeah, you know what I think about this, Brian, is there's no reason for this Friday night fight junk to be put on in the middle of what they're they're presenting as a premium boxing broadcast. When I saw that come on, I, you know, hit mute and began watching Dwyer. Okay. Uh, real quick as well, uh, this past Friday night in Iowa, we saw that Showtime Showbox triple header and your boy, the man who puts fun in Fundora, the towering inferno, took on Hector Zepeda, got the finish. Can you update the people on the life of Sebastian uh, Fundora? Uh, well, look, he's still very tall. Uh, one thing I found interesting, they mentioned his reach, 80 inches in that. He's six foot seven. That that is the same reach as the one and only KO doctor Uniel Dorticos, which just a reminder of how long Dorticos's arms are. He has the arms of a six foot seven guy. Um, it's also funny to think that Fundora is about the same height listed as Deontay Wilder, maybe an inch shorter than Tyson Fury, and Fury outweighs him by more than a hundred pounds. Um, he was. It was another. Standard Fundora performance. He moved, he walked forward. He took a lot of punches. He doesn't move his head or pay a lot of attention to defense yet in his career. That's the kind of thing with that body type. You wonder when is that going to come back to haunt you? Like 154 is not a cream puff division. There are Charlos out there, um, <laughs> and, and and so it, it it's fun to watch. He's he, I'm on board. I'm on the the Fundora train. Um, and he looked good. He had Zepeda hurt. He had him. He he didn't even get a knockdown or a knockout. After four rounds, Zepeda's corner corner just said, "No, no, like forget this. We don't. You're not fighting well enough. You're not competing on a level that it, this is not worth letting you continue." Which is a little surprising. Zepeda wasn't hurt bad, but they just didn't like what they saw. Actually, when you go back and watch that fight, Brian Zepeda's corner is just brutal to him throughout. They're like. This is ridiculous. What are you doing, son? Why aren't you? Why this is? We didn't practice this at all. What is wrong with? Well, it's hard to it's hard to prepare maybe to face a six foot seven, one hundred and fifty four pound. Where do you get him? In, where do you get those guys in sparring? Do you have to go get Tyshawn Dong to come up from wow. in NXT or wherever the WWE's got him training? I mean, how do you how do you prepare for that? It's the there's not, it probably takes a while to adjust to the the distance that you have to figure out when you're when you're facing a guy that tall at junior middleweight. In any case, it was it was. More of the same from Fundora, which is good, very good. I don't know. They're still just looking outliers like that. How often do they work out in boxing? Like Randy Johnson doesn't make sense as a boxer. Um, and that's what this guy this had the physique of like a Randy Johnson. It it, it doesn't. It, it, Are you talking about so, the big unit? Is that where you're going with this? Yeah, the big unit, man. I mean, he's just so tall. He's like a big, long noodle. That guy was and, always and, weird. They really like that guy. Like if we found out after the fact that that guy had things in his closet, I wouldn't have been surprised. But at least, come on, that, that that bird that bird highlight is one of the greatest things we've ever seen in sports. I mean, it just like explodes. Remember in he got, remember he signed with the Yankees, and then that reporter with a camera tried to like approach him on the sidewalk, and he was like, "Turn that camera off." That was weird, right? Why are you making? Why are you giving him the Buffalo Bill voice? I, I hear where you're going with this. <laughs> what? <laughs> Wow. All right. Uh, Give me some of that hard wood. I'll whack your wood. Oh, the cramps. This is this is a 
Are you taking a crap on the air? What are you doing? Oh, this is the. This is... My crap. Wow, you're in agony right now, Ray. Do I need to pause this? This is weird. No, let it go. Let it go. It'll go out. Wow. I'll rub out. I always do. Yeah. Come you... on. Wow. Talk to this me. Is, Keep the show going. This is weird. Okay. Hey, also this weekend, uh, Ted Cheeseman, our favorite white guy from England who squares up and doesn't have any defense, fresh off that sort of ex- expose loss to Sergio Garcia. Fought to a split draw, Rafe, on the DAZN co-main event against Kieran Conway. I have no highlights. I didn't read a recap, but I needed to update you on the 23-year-old Big Cheese. We are going in the wrong direction. Brian, it might sound terrible. I think the cheese should finish. (laughs) I need to see him in the States once, okay? Sell your body. Sell your name. Hearn is never going to bring cheese over here. Okay, you know what? Two two 154-pounders who's... Once promising careers seem to be fizzling out. I would be down for some cheese rooster slot. Wow. 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 All right. Uh, also this past weekend in Indio, your backyard on the zone. Hey, every man, the plasterer of the local council, Andrew Cancio, he ran it back and he did it again. He stopped Alberto Machado in the rematch for Cancio's WBA regular junior lightweight title. Rafe. This man right now should probably quit his full-time job. You down with that? I think it's probably wise just in because at this point he is a real champion. He's going to get that 75 at, at the very least, you know, when it goes if, if fights go to purse bid, he's getting that 75% cut of purses. He is he has a chance to make life-changing money. He probably already has, but he his purse for this fight, Brian, was only $150,000, which I look, I if you I don't know if I'd want to be a professional fighter for that money for a night but um if if i had a chance to make that money in a night i would get that money player um but (laughs) it is it's still he has a chance to make millions he has a chance to really really set himself up set his family up in a major way and well i would warn i would warn concio though right like it's it's easy to say make that money player it's also easy to say to paraphrase diddy and big more money, more problems. Right? Yeah, it's true. Um, so the the argument in favor of Cancillo keeping his job is that, well, it's his routine. It's what's got him this far. And it also uh, – Coach Haas, our friend Coach Haas from oh, Ventura, yes. shout out to VO, who is, who is, who is Cancillo's trainer, said in Lance Pugmire's story in The Athletic last week that the jackhammer work that Cancillo does on his day job – helps build up his forearms in a way that he said that <laughs> fighters with big forearms ha- are the, have the best power. So on some level, there's an argument. There is an argument. I'm not sure I believe it, but there is an argument that it is imp- helping Cancio's career and he should keep it. But at the same time, what's the opportunity cost of, of, of keeping a day job, being on that nine to five, getting worn out? It's not quite a nine to five, but you know what I mean. Um, having to train after work, eh, that's, are you telling me this facing full-time fighters? Joseph Haas Janik is telling us that his work as a jackhammerer is preparing him. They're just jacking it from everywhere. Wow. Wow. All right. Uh yeah, look, we can't hang on this long, but it's a great story. Cancio uh backed it up. It wasn't one and done. This wasn't Cinderella man. He's trying to show you that he's a player at 130. There are some names there, though, that are going to be tough outs for him. We want to see if this can continue. I didn't watch this co-main event, Angel Acosta, Edwin Soto, for a junior flyweight title, but you're telling me Thomas Taylor should be on trial. If I were Teddy Atlas, Brian, I would be 
screaming bloody murder over that stoppage. It made no sense. That and the Russell Mora stoppage were both super suspect because actually this one was the, the, at least, at least there was a knockdown in the, in the, in the, in the Rigo stoppage. And when Acosta was stopped in the 12th round of a fight, he was leading on all the scorecards. He had gotten shaken up. He got caught by a great counter left hook. And then Soto was, was starting to follow up, had him in some trouble, but he wasn't, he didn't seem that badly hurt. I mean, he said he seemed hurt, but he, he, he hadn't gone down. He was trying to defend himself a little bit. Taylor jumped in so fast. It was honestly hard to tell how well he could defend himself. And as soon, literally in the replays, you can see as soon as Taylor grabbed him and waved the fight off, Acosta looked up crystal clear eyes and was like, what the F are you doing? Yeah. There's two minutes left in this fight. Um, I think, look, it's, it's not good to, to, we try not to second guess referees in these situations because the fighter's health and safety is more important. But you're also, when you do something like that, when you make that decision, you're all, yeah, you might, you're, you're doing something for someone's health, which is the most important thing. These guys' careers and the, and what they pour into the sport is also important. And if you're robbing them of a chance to get a huge victory, win a championship belt at the 108 weight category, that's a, that's also something to, to be concerned of. Um, I, I didn't like the stoppage, Brian. I, I favored the Puerto Rican. Wow. Wow. That was, that was very well said. If only I was quicker. Oh, here we go. We did bring in Teddy with his thoughts on it. It was an effective robbery. It's the robbery. It's a robbery! I don't care if it's fun. Yep, thank you. Okay. Uh, also Great on that fight, card. Also, I forgot to, in all that hubbub about the stoppage, that is a good ass fight. You should watch it. Anyone who hasn't watched it, Revisited? spark up your DAZone, a service that I have. It is a fight of the year contender. Wow, okay. That is a strong recommendation indeed. Also on that undercard, I was hit up hard on my Twitter timeline at B Campbell CBS by people saying, yo, are you watching this welterweight Blair Cobbs, this up-and-comer, this dude who comes out to a Stone Cold Steve Austin <laughs> wrestling music, does the Ric Flair woo? Wow. Wow. DTA, brother. Don't trust anybody. And then comes out and throws bombs against Robert Redman Jr., knocks him out, and then afterwards in the interview with Claudia Trejos is like cutting promos. I wish I had it on me right now. Rafe. You know I love guys who sell themselves, guys who can do this pro wrestling crap in the boxing ring. Ability-wise, is this guy going to go anywhere? I don't know. It, you know, he does fight in the Walter Waite division, Brian. It is a talent stack division. What what Blair the Flair Cobbs showed against, uh, uh, what was it, Redmond, Russell Redmond? Yeah, Robert um, Redmond Jr. Robert, okay. Robert Redmond, Robert Redford, whoever he fought. Um, it was uh, the old man in the gun, you know, Butch and the Sundance Kid. Um, Some white guy? No, well, it was not. It was not. Um, but look, he's an aggressive, fun fighter. He'll get, I don't, he didn't look great. No, he got hit a lot. He looked a little sloppy. He's athletic. He, he closes distance fast. He comes in and certainly ain't scared to throw some some wild ass haymakers. But um, <laughs> he didn't look like a, a really a really polished uh, fighter who, who's destined for the top of the division. He could get there, but Rafe, him and Nico, we got to make him and Nico Masias. It's close in oh, weight. It be, <laughs> That's a it sloppy. You know, the zone should essentially 
since they have ac- seriously, let's let's talk about this. Since DeZone has access to all these Eddie Hearn propped up white guys who do great on the domestic level and then get folded up on the national level, he should just make a sloppy division around that forty seven fifty four window and just match these clowns not clowns, bad word, match these uh colorful characters. Yes, these, these incomplete fighters against each fighters. other. And then you can bring in like a wash JSK like you did against Nico Macias. You can really make some fun matchups. You can call it the whatever division. Call it the call it whatever you want, Rafe. But like I'd be I'm there for it. Okay. It's, this ain't Berto, I'm there for the washed uh yeah, there we go. Okay. Not only not only the stone cold music, Brian, but I think that vest he walks in with is a stone cold ism. Yes, yes. He's got a little bit of a stick too. I'm I'm very interested. He has a stick on him. Yes, he does. Thank you. Also, have you how many fighters, certainly in recent memory, have fought with a giant afro? Like that's that seems like it's got to be difficult to. Uh, I mean, not that you know it, it. It was if it gets in his face, if it if it starts to flop in front, he could have some issues. <laughs> Are you? I know you don't watch MMA because um, you know MMA is a bunch of skinhead white guys watching other skinhead hey, white hey, guys. Come on now, no. no, no. Um, but did do you know MMA this guy, is a sport with a lot of class and dignity, Brian? Luis Pena, who calls himself Violent Bob Ross, who fights in a <laughs> afro like that guy's fantastic. Is that like a sideshow Bobism? Yeah, it, no, yeah. it's it's fantastic. I don't revisit his collaborations, and if you actually don't know him, if you don't know who he is, look him up. All right. Also, this weekend, Rafe, we would be remiss. We would be remiss if we didn't tell you that not only is Boxing at times full of S, as the great Pauly Malinaji has told us multiple times. Boxing is full of shit, man. I used to love Assuming. I used to love that sport. Uh, bare knuckle boxing is also full of S, as Pauly found out. Um, it used to be athletes sleeping with a lot of women in 2013, but in 2019, it's athletes getting their face carved up like a horror movie. Paulie Malinaji headlining BKFC6, the bare-knuckle bonanza from what appeared to be an empty tent on the Tampa Fairgrounds, Rafe. Wow. And he lost the main event against Artem Lobov, who is a 500-level meddling MMA guy who is known for being Conor McGregor's ride-or-die training partner, right-hand man, got some main event opportunities in UFC that he didn't deserve. They playfully call him the GOAT. He's a tough dude. And in the end, this weird fight, which was propped up with so much trash talk, Paulie saying he will kill him and then urinate inside his empty skull, basically. Yet we saw a tug and war of kindness throughout this fight. We didn't see a lot of engaging. And we saw a really bad decision, I thought, in the end. Thank you, man. At least some people got the score right. Um, I also saw what was billed as the biggest fight in card in modern bare knuckle history what that doesn't mean anything and by the way shout out to them for like tongue in cheek in this like there's t-shirts out there that have paulie and artem's face on it that say the biggest fight in combat sports history and like look in theory matching an mma guy in a bot in a faded boxer in a bare knuckle ring should be sloppy enough and i made the comparison on twitter this is that gas station hot dog with the cheese in the middle that you know is going to hurt you know you're going to be ishing afterwards but you can't avoid it you got to pay that 40 dollars. you got to see what happens we saw what happens and it sucked rafe the fight sucked the scoring was worse thankfully paulie in that post-fight interview was like uh maybe everybody was right that told me what are you doing rafe you got any thoughts on this i i'm sure you didn't see it 
But, Brian, I, I did boycott this, you know, about something like, what, 130, 150 years ago, the sport of boxing moved on from bare knuckle fighting to protect the fighter's hands, to have a more civilized affair for a lot of good reasons. And and boxing, you know, even with gloves, is as, as Angel Garcia will, would remind us, is still a, a hood sport. It's still, you know, it is still something that is not really accepted by polite society. That's one of the things I love about it, because F polite society. But... Um, <clears throat> yeah, this was not boxing. I did not consider this part of my professional responsibility to pay attention to, even with a former boxer in it. And I, uh, I, I also wasn't that interested in it. It was a scam. All right, then let um, me tell you about this scam. Okay? I did have some, uh, some questions for you, though. Go ahead, Ray. What was going on with the hand wraps, uh, the tweets I saw about hand wraps and petroleum jelly? Yes, One. Two, do you think that Paulie hurt his hand in the second round, as I read? Um, and three, um, what, what are your thoughts going forward about this great endeavor? Wow. Uh, so the state of Florida's got weird commission rules against bare knuckles. So they basically end up saying, okay, you can have the knuckles bare, but you need to wrap the entire wrist. I don't know where that makes sense. So apparently Paulie and Artem had this back and forth with their camps that Artem was wrapping his wrist too high and Paulie thought the edge of the wraps was going to make contact with his face and then Artem's team called out Polly's team for a petroleum jelly they thought that was illegally rubbed over his fists and could get in Artem's eyes Anthony John Rumble Johnson you know this guy the former UFC yes. contender giant slugger who's now like a executive with BKFC even though the only thing we've seen him do so far is break up fights at press conferences and be like a muscle. He was like live Instagramming, updating what was going on backstage. And he was basically saying at certain points that the fight could be off because Paulie got caught with something. Now this is somebody BKFC is paying. You would think he would be kind of protecting this info. Anyway, Rafe, they figured it out. The fight went on. Yes, I do believe Paulie who has a history of weak hands, if you will. And it's not a, a jab at him. I mean, the guy's, Knuckles break all the time. That's why he had no power. Bro, I'm sure he broke his hand in round two. Here's the problem, Rafe. And this is ultimately the problem with this sport and why this was the event that everybody was finally going to watch. So BKFC and promoter David Feldman were going to have their close-up, all right? Paulie talked for months and weeks that he's going to destroy this guy, carve up his face, show him that boxers are better, blah, blah, blah. And then Paulie came out and tried to jab and actually box and fight defensively. And then to Artem Lobov's credit, he didn't take the bait and come rushing in. He kind of stayed on the outside and looked for his moments. And you know what that created? Bad television. And I watched this whole card, Rafe. Well, most of the card. And the announcers kept talking about, by the way, this was the sixth BKFC card. So they're like, watch this evolution of the sport. Oh my God, you're seeing now, you know, five, Three events from now, it's going to look totally different. Yeah, it's going to look worse. You want to know why, Rafe? The first three cards where they were promoting this crap in, like, Wyoming, and it was like, this is the first bare-knuckle fight in 100 years, blah, blah, blah. Do you know why people watched it? Because it had that grimy feeling of, like, UFC 1. You wanted to see fat and bloated dudes face former MMA fighters and former boxers. And, yes, by the way, Randall Bailey getting pulled from this card last minute was a monster disappointment. And the whole idea is bare-knuckle. We're going to see blood and cuts, and we're going to see that. And then you know what started happening? The guys who actually take this sport seriously, who are like, this is my meal ticket, they're starting to already evolve and figure out how to box within this circular ring. Rafe, there's no call, there's no place in BKFC if you want to sell pay-per-view buys and sell tickets 
for people to come in there thinking they can box to win. Do you know what that's called? Boxing. boxing? Yeah, it's called boxing, okay? And that's where it works in boxing. And you, and I know there might be people who say, well, this is the same evolution MMA went through. No. Yes and no. Yes, when UFC was first launched, they were trying to get people to watch it because it was reckless and there's no rules and you can kick in the balls and you can do anything but bite or stick your finger in people's eye hole, right? And yes, that brought people in. And yes, led Did by Did anyone Hoist- ever go for the, the, you know, the bunghole in MMA? Well, on Bellator over the weekend, somebody kicked the dude. Oh, like, I did see that little, see that, right? little, in the, right in the little toe tickle there. So long story short here, Rafe, MMA eventually evolved, but here's the thing. Do you know what MMA is besides a bunch of skinhead white guys, it's an art form. It's it's martial arts, which there's an art to that. So the sport evolved. And by the way, each of these specific mixed martial arts, there is an art form to it. You know where there's no art form whatsoever, Rafe? Bare knuckle fighting, because you know what it is? It's an extension of what we grew up with. Schoolyard fights, bar fights. It's an extension of that. That's why we will pay money to see these crazy guys with tattoos on their head go in here and carve each other up. We will not pay money to see them jab from distance. So this Paulie Artem Lobov fight, for the majority of it, was jabbing from distance. Eventually, Lobov finally made some moves to his credit. He cut both of Paulie's eyes, even though Malinaji hilariously afterwards was like, I only got hit once, even though his face fell apart. And what you had in the end was a bad fight. And an even worse decision with Artem Lobov getting what the announcers called the quote unquote biggest upset in combat sports history. So here's what probably actually happened, Rafe. They knew Paulie at 38 wasn't long for this. They knew he wasn't an ambassador to this sport. They knew Artem Lobov with his Conor McGregor connections and his built in MMA fan base is. You have to believe they dialed in this decision, Rafe, because how the hell do you score that for Lobov unless the scoring standards are just slow, solely on aggression. Who had more cuts on their face? I don't – It's it was crap. And, and so my, my long rant over with Rafe, I came away from BKFC never wanting to see it again because I'm already what? seeing it evolve into an actual sport. Hey, guys, this is not a sport. This is a carnival train wreck. So you know what you need to do? Make your ring smaller. Don't give people room to move around. Go buy the BK, the BKB the pit. pit. Get the pit, yeah. Dude, get a, you know what you should call it? Phone booth fighting? Make a large phone booth with glass that you can see through so that when people bleed, it like, it, you can't, like, it's, you can start to see oh it drip down the glass and, and let them fight with weapons. I, no, that's a joke, but seriously, you're not going to sell to see people we've never heard of fight like this. Fight, basically do bad boxing. Rafe, so I know you you're, and you're, you're suggesting basically two guys who have never fought with pool cues, throw them into a phone booth and give them pool cues and tell them to fight. Yeah, and remember let them Alpha Justice? Out. Remember when Steven Seagal put the put the that, cue ball in the in the in the correct. sock? In the napkin. Yeah, and he's like, Who's the boxer? Who's the box? Yeah, th- that's that for sticks. Watch out for sticks. <laughs> sticks had game, but he got sent to hell. Uh so yeah, Rafe, long rant over. My point is I think this card set the sport back. That divi- that decision sucked, but at the same time, Pauly kind of deserved it for entering this to begin with. Rafe, what do you think he made? Because our good friend Ishe Smith tweeted out, I hear that Pauly may have made a million for this fight, and if he did, guys, wake up, he's the winner. Do you agree with that? Yes, if he made a million bucks for that, and or or anywhere in the six in the seven figures, high six figures even, it's it's fine, and and. 
you have to think that Pauly was probably thinking it might lead to the real gigantic payday against McGregor if he, you know, really dominated and may, and 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 came out with a win. I guess it was worth a try. I look, I'm not here to tell Pauly what he should be doing with his life. Yes, I understand the arguments that what do you like why do you need this of all fighters you're you have one of the best post career gigs in boxing as a analyst with Showtime also with with the with Sky I don't know if he works with both Sky and BT but he's you know he's in high demand in the UK because he's just they love him there and he and he, and he loves him back and he does a good job on those cards when he can't do Showtime fights he's and he's one of the better ex-fighter analysts in the sport, period. I still like listening to Paulie. I, I listen to his goddamn podcast. Wow. Um, so he, he's he got all these things going for him as a retired fighter. He doesn't seem like he would naturally be at the top of the list for fighter who goes into some crazy boondoggle carnival fight like this. But look, it's his life, yo. He, he can do it. Uh, he's not. He's not in some position where he i feel like he's endangering his life in any more any way greater than normal when when two people step into a ring like that um he still has his marbles it's just yeah look it's weird i wouldn't do it but it's it's that's that's up to him and if he got a million bucks for that yes good for him take that do something good with it it's just man we signed up for that to go watch that and like and look you felt grimy doing it but it's it's a you can't you have to see it Right. I I have to see it. I felt just bad coming out of that just because not bad in like a gross way. Like it went too far bad that it didn't go far enough. It was just weird. And then, you know, yeah, I'm sure Paulie hurt his right hand. But by the way, as soon as Lobov hit this like wild flailing left hook and Paulie got hit with it, he went, whoa, like I might actually be in a real fight here. I think Paulie was just resigned to not fight. And yeah. All right. It, what you know I, what, Brian? I, I'm sorry. You got I, my carnival mind was thinking. And I got back thinking about the great Blair the Flair Cobbs. And you know what was missing from that? And it could have happened because it is it is a disown thing. And I actually like Ryan Rucco a lot as a boxing commentator. He's sort of new to the scene. We know him well from from basketball, from the Nets, and he was ESPN efficient gig. on that broadcast. But, he got in and out. He was very efficient. Yeah. But, Brian, but, Brian, you know who we could have had on a DAZN call? Who's done great work on DAZN Golden Boy cards in the past? Who knows a thing or two about professional wrestling? Your your boy, Grish, Todd Grisham, could have called. He has to call some Blair Cobbs fights in the future. Make that happen, DAZN. Yes, I'm a big fan of Todd Grisham, as you already know. Him and his brother used to bang it out all the time. Now, you... I mean, who else is going to give you that? So, yeah, Rafe, um, I'm done with BKFC. I'm done talking about it. I'm done caring about it because I'm already seeing people are trying to treat this as a real sport. It's not. It's a carnival. Keep it a carnival or it's going to fade away. It's going to become obsolete. Enough talk about this crap. Anyway, uh, let's, let's, let's talk to Freddie Roach, all right? Let's talk to Freddie Roach right now. He's coming at you. He's a Hall of Famer. Yeah. Enjoy. Freddie Roach, the Hall of Famer, my man. How you doing? Pretty good, and you? Pretty good. Thank you so much for joining us. Really excited about, of course, Manny Pacquiao's return July 20th on Fox pay-per-view against unbeaten Keith Thurman. And, Freddie, let's go back to day one of the Freddie Roach-Manny Pacquiao experiment. Would you ever have guessed that at age 40, 
Manny wasn't just still a part of big-time pay-per-views, but that many people were favoring him against the best in the world. Yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. His work ethic is really great, and he's still on top of the game. And uh, just uh, His work ethic just keeps him on top. He's a very dedicated guy. Now, I, I feel like we take it for granted. We know Manny's won titles in eight divisions. We know he's an all-time great. We know all of that. But you mentioned the work ethic, and we're talking here about the longevity. Freddie, you've trained a lot of guys. I don't, I can't remember a fighter who started in as low of a weight class who was able to maintain speed so deep into this age. Elite level speed. Is Manny a freak of nature? Is it, is it the training? What is it that sets him apart? Yeah, he's a little bit of freak of nature, but his training is unbelievable and he gives 100% every day. And he works his ass off. He's really, really dedicated guy, and uh, he's he's as quick now as he always has been. And uh, uh, Thurman, better watch out. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Now, when you're game planning here, you're watching video, you're preparing for a real tough out in Keith Thurman, unbeaten one time. We all know that. But let's not lie, Freddie. He came back from a two year break due to injury. Didn't look great against Jose Cito Lopez. What did you see in that fight? Yeah, he, he, he didn't look good in that fight. He didn't look like he really was ready for that fight. And uh, But the thing is, he's fighting Manny Pacquiao now, and we know everyone gets ready for Manny Pacquiao because he knows it's a tough fight. And uh, he'll, bring, he'll bring his A game, but um, Manny's going to bring his A game, and it should be a great night. Now, I talked to Manny just the other day, and he said it outright. He said, I prefer if Keith Thurman comes to fight instead of box. I would much rather have a war with him than anything else. And that, of course, as a fan gets you excited. Is that what you, the trainer, would want? If this was a, you know, a Hagler-Hearns, would you prefer that? Yeah, definitely. The other thing is we got the speed and the firepower, and I think I believe he's a little bit too slow for Manny, and I think Manny will leave him in the dust behind. He just, um, you know, Manny, his speed is still there, and, uh, you know, that goes along with his work ethic and all that also. But his speed is uh, still the best in the world. Now, Freddie, I'm going to make a criticism of Thurman. I want to know if you agree. Great fighter. But when I go back and watch the video, the offense that he showed against Sean Porter, I didn't see that again. I saw him backpedal against Danny Garcia. I didn't see that same guy willing to sit down on his punches. Have you seen a change in the same way in terms of Keith being a destroyer earlier in his career, maybe now being too in love with boxing? Yeah, you know, the thing is, his last three fights, you, you watch them, I've been studying them quite a bit, and he's getting worse in each one, and uh, I don't really expect him to get any better at this one. So uh, the thing is, um, you know, Manny Pacquiao is in great shape, and, uh, um, you know, whatever he brings to the table, we will be ready for. All right, Manny got into this fight, of course, by meeting Adrian Broner on pay-per-view earlier this year and just destroying him. Freddie... I wouldn't have guessed. You could, you could have told me in advance Manny would win, and I would have said, okay. I wouldn't have guessed that on my scorecard it would be 12 rounds to zero. Were you surprised at all by the dominance that, that he forced Broner not to throw anything back in return, it seemed? No, I, I kind of expected that, and uh, we, we had a real good game plan going to that fight. And he fought Broner very well. He fought very aggressively, and uh, I love him when he fights aggressively like that because he, he, that's when he's at his best. So, you know, to talk about Thurman going from puncher to boxer, 
We saw Manny kind of do that. He was the destroyer forever. Maybe after that fourth Marquez fight, he boxed more than we thought, you know, more than, than we had seen. Have you seen a change back to being the attacker aggressor in Manny? Yeah, it's, it's, I think his killer instinct has come back uh, somewhat, and his, uh, his offense is much more aggressive, and I think that's what we need. That's what we need in this fight, and uh, um, he's doing really well with it. Were you frustrated when he did seem to want to box more against the Brandon Rioses, against the the Chris Algeries? I know he knocked down Algeria a bunch, but I didn't see that same fire that I'm seeing now against Horn, Matisse, even against Broner. Were you frustrated by that? Yeah, I was frustrated, but I mean, thing is, uh, you know, I told many uh, people love you because of all your knockouts and so forth, and they 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 want to see that, and uh, so. Uh, just a little talk to him, a little, little, little advice, and he's, uh, he's very, very offensive right now, and uh, uh, he feels he feels like our opponent will, will will move and run all night, and now he can run, but he can't hide. All right, Freddie, you are inside of camp. Again, I talked to Manny the other day, but he kind of didn't want to talk about it. I've heard the rumors inside of camp when Keith Thurman said he wanted to crucify Manny Pacquiao that Manny took issue with that. I get Manny doesn't want to talk it up. He doesn't want to start a big problem. He's a, he's a genuine gentleman. But you're there in camp. How fired up did that actually make Manny to the idea of wanting to make Keith Thurman pay on July 20th? Well, it, it is in his mind. I mean, he, he talked about Manny a little bit. He said he's going to destroy him. And the more he talks, him, uh, the meaner Manny gets. And, uh, when Manny goes in there, when he doesn't like his opponent, he he's a better Manny, and he fights he fights more aggressively. And um, um, I, I I like that for this one. We'll, we'll definitely be ready for that. All right, you've had such an incredible run by Manny's side. If somebody asked you what's the best single Manny Pacquiao performance, what night was he better than at any other night in his career? Which one are you pointing toward? Uh, you know, Ricky Hatton knockout was probably one of his best. But, um, there's just a lot of good fights. Delahoya was a great fight. Um, he's, he's had a tremendous amount of great, great fights. So, uh, which one I'm not really sure. Uh, Delahoya was, was great and he's a higher weight division and, uh, he did destroy him. Yeah, I, I was going to offer the Cotto fight, but if we're being honest, those three fights we both just mentioned are right after each other. That's really the era of absolute prime Manny Pacquiao. There, there's no question about it. A great fighter, but uh maybe not the best singer ever, Freddie. Did you ever get in Manny's ear and say, hey, maybe you want to take that down a little bit? I just, I just have a, I enjoy and laugh. And <laughs> so, uh, not a great singer, but one that did... When they, I think, Academy Award in his home country. Hey, all right. You know, hey, Oscar once won a Grammy, too. Who who are we to say, Freddie, obviously, right? You know, we'll stick to boxing. They can sing it up. Uh, talk to me about the life of Freddie Roach these days. We know you're in Manny's Corner. What else is going on? Um, I just have a lot of fighters. I have 21 pros right now. And uh, I had three guys fight last week and two the other night. And uh, I have uh, three this weekend coming up. So just staying busy as always, and uh, I'm trying to get keep things under control. I love it. Wild card gym in the house, uh, Freddie. I was in Fresno a few months ago, and I believe you were in the corner of Jose Zapata going up for the world title at 140 against Jose Ramirez. And uh, I thought your guy got robbed. 
Me too. <laughs> yeah, we definitely won that fight. I felt and Zepeda just came back and fought. He looked good in his last fight, and that was trying to get a rematch, but not yet. Uh, when we, we were talking again about this relationship, Manny and Freddie, which one fight would you want to do over? The competitive coaching side of you, where you're like, man, if we could go back to that fight and change this right here, we may have been able to win. Definitely the Mayweather fight, but um, hopefully that happens. Hey, hey, you never, you never know. You never know. Did the show, Freddie, was there really a shoulder problem there or, or did our guy just not press the gas pedal? No, no, he had surgery. Ella trash had the surgery. It was definitely an injury there. And, uh, after the fourth round, he couldn't use that. He was one handed. So, uh, that's why I like that one back so badly. Did you ever feel like there should have been a fifth Marquez fight? Mm, yeah, possibly because he was, like 10 seconds away from knocking him out when he got knocked out. But yeah, those things happen, and that's part of the sport. Yeah, yeah, no no doubt about it. Uh, what else can you tell us here about this fight? What do you think this, this would mean to Manny's career? I mean, it's all gravy at this point. He's already Hall of Fame for life, but how much more can he add? I mean, if he was able to defeat an unbeaten Keith Thurman, what do we do with him historically, Freddie? Well, the thing is, you know, he just, he still wants to be the best. He wants to fight at world class level and so forth. And hopefully Mayweather and one of the, or one of those other champions out there will come to the table. And, uh, he'd like to win a world, at least one more world title. I mean, is it, is it in play that Manny may be able to prove that he's still the best welterweight in the world? Because all due respect to the other champions, it feels like we're in a historic era, Freddie. Yeah, you know, it's like, one time versus all time, you know, it's just, it's not fair. What do you think would be the toughest challenge right now at 147 for Manny? Is it Spence in your eyes? Uh, maybe Errol Spence, but, um, no, um, he's a good fighter and, uh, uh, you know, he's a little, little bit of a dangerous guy, but, um, he might be the, one of the, the tougher guys out there. Him, maybe Crawford. It's, it's maybe a toss up right now. All right. All right. How's your Tagalog these days, Freddie? What's that? You speak Tagalog? Did you ever pick the language up? <laughs> no, I don't speak. That's too, too, too difficult for me. Yeah, okay. Or true or false, but rubbing Boo Boy's stomach brings Manny luck. Is this a, is this a wives tale? Is this true? I don't believe so. All right. He's got a heck, <laughs> he's got a heck of a gut there. Freddie Roach, it's been a pleasure chatting with you. We're fired up for this fight. Fox pay-per-view, July 20th, Pacquiao Thurman. Thanks so much for joining us. It's a pleasure to hear from you. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. Have a nice day. And we're back. Hey, special thanks to Freddie Roach for joining us. Rafe, in full disclosure, we are recording this part before we are recording the Freddie Roach part. So you're not going to get detailed analysis about what Freddie may or may not have said. But I do want to talk Pac Thurman. It's the big fight on the horizon coming up. July 20th, Fox pay-per-view. I hit you up earlier that I was in L.A., for this face-to-face over the over the weekend. And, Rafe, this is an episode you're going to want to see. Would not, you describe that face-to-face as a tug-of-war of kindness? Brian? I would not. I would describe Ooh. this as we all know who Manny is, right? He doesn't care about interviews. He rarely gets engaged in an interview. He, in fact, very often does the I don't He's on his phone. Uh, yeah, I don't understand English. He does that. He'll do that when he's bored and he's like, I'm done with this, Okay. Uh, Thurman gets it that the, that things like PBC face to face are platforms for him to promote his personality, to sell the fight. He went for it. He tried to get Manny 
out of his default state of kindness. And it was very interesting in seeing that play out, seeing that dynamic. I saw an angry Manny Pacquiao on set. You're going to enjoy this episode, or maybe it'll disgust you, but it's going to be something you need to watch June 30th on Fox ahead of this July 20th interview. Did you, on this face-to-face, please tell me, please tell me that you asked Keith Thurman about what what he thinks of Manny Pacquiao losing to Jeff Horn. Who's (laughs) Jeff Horn, Brian? Who's Jeff Horn? Now, first of all, check out uh, my Twitter. I did get a funny video of uh, – I brought it up to Keith. I was like, remember when you dropped that amazing soundbite that we play all the time on this show? I'm and sure he, he listens. Yeah, well, he doesn't listen. But he knew what I was talking about. He referenced that that was from that original Fox upfront thing where they announced all the fights. And um, got some funny video with him off camera. But, yes, on the show, I did bring up the Jeff Horn fight. And he gave a funny rant in Manny's face that, you know, you never know which – what the editors are going to use in the end, I hope they use that because it was very fun. He didn't drop a who's Jeff Horn, but he was pretty close. Jeff Horn. Who's Jeff Horn? Nobody. I don't. I got so many different disrespectful things that I can say right now. I don't even want to do it because. All right. We're not going to do it. Um. Anyway, look, it's a you know what? Doing the research for this show, Rafe, preparing the questions, interviewing both guys. I really don't think, because he's been part of our boxing life for so long, Pacquiao has been professional now for 24 years, I really don't think we actually appreciate what he's done in this sport. Like, I know we just, you know, right away, every time you say Pacquiao's name, you say eight-division world champion, Rafe, right? Like, right away. Legend, all, you know, blah, 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 blah. Was in the biggest fight of all time in this modern era against pa- against Floyd and lost. But I want to talk about this side of his legacy. Rafe, He's 40 years old, and he's going in a pay-per-view against an unbeaten champion who can punch, and we're not just selling his soul and name. Odds makers, critics, a lot of people are picking him to win. Rick, that's amazing for a guy who started at 98 pounds, 106 pounds, and guys that small do not carry their speed, son, late into their careers. Guys that small... Burn out at 32, 33. Revisit Ivan Calderon's career. You know what I'm saying, Rafe? Like, that's what happens. Performance enhancing audio, you be the judge. But I'm saying it's remarkable that this man is still here. And sitting on the set with him, it all kind of came back to me like, holy crap. We don't give him enough credit for that, Rafe. No, Brian, I think you're right. And it's it's it, that's human nature, right? I mean, he, it's because he has just always been around, always been a, a factor in these divisions now going back like 15 years. It's hard to consistently appreciate that at the level it deserves. He is, even if he listens or has listened to a little of that kind of audio, I think we expect that for of a lot of fighters, many fighters, perhaps more fighters than who don't listen to the audio. And Manny is the one who has stayed around. So we don't know how level the playing field has been over the years, but we have seen that longevity. He's a freak athlete by any standard. It's incredible that he's been this good for this long. It doesn't make any kind of sense. There have even been the times after the Jeff Horn fight when it was like, all right, you know, I think he won that, but this really might be the end of the road. Then he comes back and starts to look good again, has looked better since then. And they blows away Matisse and we're like, okay, Matisse is washed, but seriously, the Broner fight was a wake-up call. And that look, there is some matchmaking there. There's a little bit of, look, we know that these, with Matisse, 
when the going gets tough, we we've seen, we know how he responds to that. And he was coming back from his own semi-retirement or hiatus after fighting Victor Postol and losing in that one. Broner doesn't punch enough to win fights. So th- those there there were some matchmaking reasons to to see some smoke and mirrors there that aren't going to be there with Thurman or, or to a much lesser extent. This He's going to have to beat Thurman. But he has looked good enough against those opponents that, yeah, I could talk myself into it. I very well may talk myself into it. Something that has hit the headlines a lot, and it, it is a part of this uh, face-to-face episode that you're going to see with Pacquiao Thurman on June 30th on Fox. Let me keep plugging that. Um, is that in that press conference tour they did, Thurman kind of went off to try to get Pacquiao to break and he used the term I will crucify you and obviously with Manny's uh, Christian resurgence there and and, and t- turn around and that he didn't like that and Manny tried his best to undersell it when I brought it up to him many times off camera and on no 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 yes that was inappropriate but no this is not a personal this is not personal but all the reports are coming out from Freddie from Justin Fortune from everybody in Pacquiao's camp saying oh yeah he's real mad and he is going for the knockout. Now, I look, I know, every time Freddie Roach talks about Manny for 10 years, it's the best he's looked in camp. He's going to knock him out. I, I get it. But you think this is anything? Do you think that's the actual button Thurman could press that actually could get Pacquiao that angry where we could? Because what Pacquiao told me on set many times this past weekend was, I would prefer if Keith would bang and not box. I want to fight him. Yes, please, this is the fight I want. Are we going to see like a throwback Pacquiao here? Could you actually get him that? Is that the only way to get him angry? Insult his his God, basically. Mm, I think that does anger him to some degree. But the real way I think history has shown to get Manny angry, to to bring back the old Manny, is to tag him. And Thurman can do that. He's got the counterpunching, the speed to land the kind of punch that Marquez landed in the third round, knocked him down, knocked Manny down for the first time in God knows how long when they fought at the end of 2012 there. And that great fight. Oh my God. Just thinking about that fight. Um, but you were there, right? You were there. We were there. Yeah. We were. Oh Oh, my God. It was, I mean, it was, it was, it was sad, but it was amazing. I mean, I love both of those guys. It was, oh, anyway, that that Manny might bang those gloves together and shake his head like time to fight and just start, just go, Hey, go, go wild on his ass. And then we got to fight. Rafe, if I could turn back time, like share, I would be at that fight with you. That's the one I really missed. I wasn't in a position at ESPN to sort of call my own shot with travel. I hadn't been to a Vegas fight yet. Who's Brian Campbell? Exactly. Nobody. Nobody. But I always tell that story that uh, as soon as that fight ended, I was doing the live blog for ESPN.com. When Manny's knocked out, I didn't type anything for like two and a half full minutes because my jaw was just dropped. Because, look, obviously Manny was down 55 seconds. We thought he was dead. I'm not kidding. I thought he was dead. And after that fight ended and we wrapped it up, I texted Kieran Mulvaney, who was working for ESPN then, was ringside, and I was like, dude, just please in one sentence just sum up what 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 what, what that was like. He goes, you mind if I call you? He rings me up at my house after midnight where I let it all hang out, and we were like two teenage girls going, oh, my God, oh, my God, what am I And we just screamed into the phone at each other, Rafe, because that fight produced something inside of us that boxing doesn't always do, right? It reactivated – that first high we got from the sport, whatever drew us, whether you got into it because of Tyson or Arturo Gatti or whatever, that first high it kind of reactivated it, Rafe. That fight was a masterpiece of every emotion. Yep. 
You're not getting up from that one, Jim. Not getting up, indeed. All right. Uh, thank you to Freddie Roach. Looking forward to this Pacquiao-Thurman fight. Rafe, we, we covered this, but you'll be in Vegas for that week, right? I, I, I am planning 100% to be there. All right. You and I, we're going to do some fun stuff that week podcast-wise. Let's let's make the magic happen. All right? Game. Yeah. I'm in, man. Right. Make it I'll, happen. You I'll, give me the yeah, – I'm in the cage. You want me to appear well. on your athletic podcast, the, the the Rafe and Cop Show? I am on it. All right. I will. I will. I will spread my seed that far. Hey, let's break up some break down some latest news real quick. Uh, the Spence Porter Porter fight is real. Speaking of Mike Coppinger, the athletic newsbreaker, it's going to happen this fall. I don't have a date, a site, or a network, and I'm not sure Cop does either. But I'm excited as heck, Rafe. A welterweight unification. Rafe, think about it right now. Okay. Bob, uh, Grandpa, he's Hello, Grandpa. kind of in hell with, with Terrence Crawford right now because all the welterweights are PBC. We know that. But credit Al Heyman. We know who he is. Al Heyman, the GOAT. These are the welterweight fights we are getting in the next three months. Pacquiao Thurman, Mikey Garcia, Danny Garcia, Errol Spence, Sean Porter. Rafe, love it. Love Spence Ford Porter. I mean, fired up. Do you have anything negative? Anything disrespectful to say about this? I am so fired up for Spence Porter. We need Spence to face this style. Um, I mean, I am not. I, look, I think I'm, I agree with you. The we, there is zero zero room to really to reasonably complain about this slate of welterweight fights that PBC's got coming up in the second half of this year because they are three very good fights. They are three important fights. This is not. Errol Spence facing somebody Ocampo that that they found in the rankings. This these 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 are real fights. Now, am I as an individual matchup? Am I pumped for Spence Porter? No, I'm not. What? I'm, not. I'm sorry. Team First Spencer of all, I don't, don't make sense, man. Team Spencer, it don't make sense. Come on, well, this is a... I am Team Spencer. It don't make sense. Don't get me wrong. I just think Team Spence is got is levels above Sean Porter, and Sean Porter has not looked. At his best in recent fights, I think. Take that back. All, take that back. The, I'm Rafe, not taking it back. Take that I, back. I, I, Danny I, Garcia. I, no, 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 no. Danny no, no, had no. a stick, and and Porter outboxed him in a beautiful performance. I was there, man. I was there. I was there. I don't think that it may have worked against Danny, a fighter who doesn't use his legs, who's a little bit inactive as well, and who might have gone into that fight thinking. A little bit uh, uh, inflated with his ego, thinking, hey, "I got this. I'm the champ. Whatever. This guy, this guy's not as good as me." Blah blah blah. You know, we'll see. We'll see. Porter, I I don't like him boxing more. I don't think that's more effective. And when he fought your Dennis Ugas, most people thought he didn't win that fight, or it was so True. close. I mean, True. it's not a robbery because it was a close fight, but it was a fight. It it was closer than it should have. It would, yeah. And, and and I I don't know if. If Sean Porter still fights that aggressive, mauling, chest-to-chest style, I would be interested in seeing how Errol Spence deals with that. I think that Errol Spence is strong enough and good enough that he would quickly disabuse Sean Porter of that notion. He could However, discipline him, as, as, your, as your high school teammate Max Kellerman would say. He could he discipline would do, him. Yeah, he would do what the great Nassim Richardson suggested one do with Sean Porter – it's like you don't want to let that man, that boy, on your lawn because if you get if you you got to get the shotgun out, get him off your lawn. If he shows up on your porch, he's getting to the door, and if he gets to the door, he's getting in that ass. But wow, wow, bro, that's, hey, that's how Sean Porter used to fight. Relax, bro. Wow, okay, that's how Sean Porter used to fight. That's how gangster he, he is. Yes, we haven't seen that. 
In well, I, it's a great fight because you're right. If Porter fights that, that, that Ole Bull, rushing bull, raging bull style, then you know what he may end up finding out? That, hey, that black guy, he hits hard. Because it would be fun to see. And by the way, um, uh, can I put myself over one more time, Rafe? There's going to be a PBC countdown show getting you fired up for Pacquiao Thurman that's going to be all over Fox. I was on there breaking down Thurman and Pacquiao's recent fights. Rafe, while doing research for that, we don't give Thurman Porter enough refractory love about how fun and classic that welterweight title fight was. Rafe, they went to war at times in that fight. They were men. Even though Keith Thurman today, we question if he has it, he had it that night. Yeah, and so did Sean Porter. He came and and really pushed Keith Thurman, took hellacious counters in a couple of those rounds, and hurt Keith Thurman where we've seen he doesn't like to be hurt in the day. I don't know what's wrong with me right now, but so, I just got excited. You made me excited to wow. speak funny, funny speaking nonsense of to bidets, you. Uh, Rafe, I have been staying lately in swanky Beverly Hills hotels put on by Fox. There's bidets in every single one. Rafe, I haven't even attempted to ever, ever use this. I don't even know how to use it. Have you ever? Uh, I, I've never used the bidet, but I have. I, I do know how to use it in the Philippines. It's called tabo. And it's uh, it's sort of a similar thing, except instead of a nice little spray, you actually just have a little bucket that you oh. that you pour down there. You have to squat a certain way and then oh, pour it down God, and it cleans it all out. Look, you get more clean than the paper, but it is a little it's a it's a wetter experience for sure. Oh my God! Because I was thinking, Rafe, I was like, you know, I mean, you know, California, you can't get a lid on your soda cup anymore in California. Like every, like everyone's going pro environment, and I'm not against that per se. Although I may be against you and your soda habit. The soda to me is like liquid crack. But ultimately, Rafe, I was thinking for all this paper we've been shoving down the poop hole for years, maybe the bidet is <laughs> you, you actually. You don't have to shove it all the way in there, right? <laughs> you, you, you don't want to leave it there. It's I don't you... know how you do it. I don't know how <laughs> I mean, they do it in Connecticut. It's your but down bowl. here in New York, we 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 we. Throw it out. It just go. We wipe. We don't shove. I wonder if if the bidet all along is the most efficient, planet friendly way to go. It just I don't know if I could do that, Rafe. Yeah, I mean the people who use it will tell you one hundred percent. It is way better. One hundred percent better in every way. Cleaner, less, more, I, perhaps more environmentally friendly. I don't really know the carbon footprint of toilet paper versus extra water usage. I, I can't. I can't tell you that. But it's definitely cleaner and easier faster it's definitely better but you know what it is brian it's french and i'm american and i never jack all right yeah. i'll never bidet yeah i i don't think the furies could ever be caught dead doing that um yeah all right because as john fury would say that's not how men do it i mean even dwyer will tell you folks that's not the way men do it thank you uh we got to roll on quick here uh andy ruiz jr had his parade and is it imperial california yes uh, which was great to see, great moment, and some fun quotes have come out. Talking about Anthony Joshua, he says, I know his flaws, I can do a lot better. The only thing that Joshua can do is just run around, quote, he's not good at boxing. <laughs> I mean, you, you know, just straight to the point, Andy, well, lay it on him. All right, yeah, uh, you got any thoughts on that? Well, it's a little bit harsh, but he did just beat him and prove that on that night he was a lot better at boxing than Anthony Joshua. Now, Anthony Joshua can come back and, and prove him wrong and say, hey, man, I hope he, I hope after the fight he's like in that in that very suave British accent, you know, like like I am good at boxing. 
Yes, yes. Tell me one great fighter Deontay Wilder knocked out. Not no, wow, wow, that was harsh. Um, I got to ask you two quick questions about the zone's future here that I need you to answer, okay? Two and two and we out, Chuck Willery. That's part of your childhood, right? Yeah, love big, big part of my childhood. All right. Love Connection? Yeah. The show oh. Love Connection. People used to go to Catalina Island and just bang, you know, left, right, good night. You know what I'm talking I about? I was more of a blind date guy. That was more my ah, speed. Was that Roger Lodge? Yes. <laughs> yes, it was. Do you know he, along with being a, a regular analyst on Jim Rome's old uh, show, Roger Lodge was the drummer in Uncle Jesse's band on uh, Full House? No, no kidding. People don't know that. They need to know that. Um, My point is, here's the two questions. Um, Ruiz Joshua 2. It's not going to take place in Mexico, so Ruiz can chill. In the end, Rafe, it's going to England, right? And it's the birthplace of AJ. True or false, that fight ends up in England. I mean, all of the, everything I've heard and read suggests that false. That's headed to MSG or Las Vegas or somewhere suitable in the United States because the zone is pushing for that hard. If you listen to Luda Bella, for example, on Chris Mannix's podcast last weekend, great. I, I, I listened to it in a Hooters. Great place to, to catch a Mannix podcast. Let me just tell you. Um, Lou was saying the zone that. And I think he's right. That fight doesn't isn't a huge event, at least here in the States, if it happens across the pond. The boxing crowd will watch. The boxing crowd always catches up. It's a it's an important fight. But if they do it again here, that's a gigantic fight. And DAZN, which is so so focused on growing its base, growing its grow, growing its subscriber base, they need that here. They're pushing hard. Why do you think that they're that that I mean, don't you think to some extent all of this talk about AJ wants to right the wrong, he wants to go back to the scene of the crime and and just avenge that loss, exercise those demons in one fell swoop at Madison Square Garden. Do you actually believe that? I don't know if I really believe that. I think it's a great story that they came up with to address the issue that DAZN needs this fight in the United States. They need that a primetime event here in New York or Vegas or somewhere where the U.S. fans are going to watch it, subscribe. They get all the media push. Fight week happens in that area. And and not all in the UK. That's I think I so I I think false. I think it's coming back here. All unless unless Eddie Hearn and AJ say no, hell no. Winning is more important. We're not playing this game. Good luck with your platform. But I got a career to worry about. And maybe they should say that. But I it seems like they want they they want to be the good partner. And and maybe they're confident that they can win this one when, when they come back. I don't got that shit. I do though. It's a service I have, and it's it's interesting though because it'll probably show you who wears the pants between the great Eddie Hearns and his own. Just like the other question I'm going to ask you is going to show you who wears the pants between Canelo and his own. Rafe, will Canelo be facing this fall? Triple G, like we all want, like Triple G wants, like even Oscar. It seems people are saying deep inside wants obviously the zone wants or will it be something like a callum smith in england here's dwyer's thoughts on canelo don't be surprised if canelo says you know what player i've been i've been running the streets fighting you know you twice fighting danny jacobs moving up in weight i'm gonna fight somebody else rafe who's gonna win out so let's key you are next my <laughs> friend um I don't know. Good luck to him this weekend. If he wins, oh, you never know. Um, but so this is interesting. It, it, it is very interesting. We said this, remember, after the Triple G rolls fight, 
there was a lot of noise about, oh, DAZN's got this. DAZN will tell Canelo that. No, that's not, that's not how boxing works. That's not how boxing superstars work. Canelo is, he is, he, he, you know, remember the great Mike Tyson rant about, the, you know, I'm Jack Dempsey, I'm Alexander, Alexander, you're not cut from his cloth. Well, Canelo doesn't think of them. He thinks, I'm Floyd Mayweather, I'm cut from that cloth. And, it, and with a lot of the good and the bad that comes with that. And one of the things that he treats his career like, he's in charge. Canelo wears the pants, absolutely. And maybe, it's, maybe that's something that the... The executives at the zone were not ready for. We're not anticipating. They're thinking, well, we're paying with the money. It's our money. We get a say in this. Well, you get a say. Canelo will be polite to you. He'll listen. Canelo does what he wants to do in this case. Player, he's out running in the streets. All right, bro. All right. All right. And, and he's got plenty of money. He's out running these streets. That's right. And, and Canelo, that's that heel Canelo thing. He wants to stick it to Triple G and, What's the best way to stick it to Triple G? Don't even give him the fight. Lance Pugmire, our oh, guy so. at The Athletic, had a nice bit of reporting. I don't, he didn't write it up yet, but it was in a tweet last week where he's like, Canelo dislikes Triple G so much at this point. Because Triple G, I mean, he says what he's not supposed to say. Triple G saw the injection yes. marks, all right? He saw the injections. Um, but he's so mad at Triple G, Canelo is, that – he he's saying I'm not going to let this guy make money off of me anymore, because I'm the I'm the A side clearly clearly at this point whether it's fair or not look it's we not know wrong. we scored we scored Triple G Canelo Canelo Triple G one for Triple G, I scored the second one a draw you scored it for Triple G we it it may not be fair but this is Canelo's this is this is Canelo's show now and Triple G, I thought he was mistaken acting like oh well. The zone, the zone is the boss. They will make him make this fight. No, no, my no, friend. No, you need trip. You need Canelo. Unfortunately, way more than he needs you at this point. So, I don't know if that means flying down to Guadalajara with a uh, with with some some clean, untainted beef, a, a peace offering, some of Bob's peace pipe, something. But be kind to Canelo because yeah. he holds the keys. Bring a contract to him. We don't believe in. <laughs> Uh, two quick, uh, Dwyer points here, really quick. Um, at BKFC, they had three sponsorships on their mat. <laughs> One was Hooters. One was a, uh, Mary Jane's Glass House, which was a, a, a weed pipe dealer. And one was like, uh, some betting site. Wow, Rafe. Wow. But hey, Hooters, great, great place to watch a, uh, it can elevate. I mean, you got to betting that. site was not gamblersanonymous.com. Oh, that would have been full circle. Um, and also, I forgot to play the sound. We're talking about Thurman Pacquiao. Dwyer has has chimed in early on this. I would not be surprised if a guy retires after this fight. I would not be surprised if the person who ends up retiring is Keith Thurman. Certainly. Wow! Wow! A swerve, a curveball, right? Although Dwyer's Dwyer. been saying for years that Manny would beat Spence, right? He believes that he would give him some trouble. I don't know how far he would go. He let me let put it this way: he's definitely taking Manny and hedging Spence by knockout or hedging the over in Spence that fight murder. if it ever happens. All right, he's a hedge better. Spence by murder. Let's get into it. Let's talk about Errol Spence's back foot game. All right, Rafe. Alexander Usyk has become the mandatory for the winner of uh, Ruiz Joshua 2 in one of them sanctioning bodies organizations. 
not a major surprise because we all assumed had AJ knocked out Andrew Ruiz that Usyk could have been next, but this has to fire you up, Rafe. It does fire me up. I think it's a little interesting that he gets elevated to that position after not being able to fight on account of a torn <laughs> biceps muscle that he's recovering from. I wish him a full recovery because I really want to see how good he can be in the heavyweight division. And what I think this really suggests is that the boxing powers that be, the sanctioning bodies, everyone involved, they're preparing, they're lining up the pieces for the possibility that Andy Ruiz successfully defends his titles against Anthony Joshua. And at that point, it's going to be strip city. It's going to be wing night at the strip club because those belts are coming <laughs> off Andy real fast. Um, and that's fine. I, I like, like, like it will be, it will be sort of like when Fury beat Klitschko and in three days, all of a sudden, Czar Glaskov was, was announced to be fighting Prince Charles Martin for a title. Yes. Like, whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, 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 and hey. Yeah. Uh, by the way, have you ever eaten a buffet at an S club? I have not. It's a, that's an Atlanta thing. I've never in my life been to Atlanta. I have. That's not an Atlanta been... thing. There, but there's buffets at S clubs all over this, all over the lower 48. All right, bro. Let's wake up to that. Yeah. If it's cheaper than the other things on the, on the menu, then maybe I should stick to that. You know? I just like, I've eaten Rafe at some of the most unpleasant <laughs> places, gas stations across the globe. I mean, I, I'll eat it, Rafe. I don't think I could eat that. Are you allowed to, are you allowed to eat? In the the private room. Wow, wow! I don't know. I don't know about that. Wow. You don't, you don't want to be to getting say. like. Yeah, sorry, sorry, wrong button. Yeah. So- you know, it's just like you don't want to. You don't know the wing sauce. The probably. I, I hope you're oh, not allowed. That God. would be unsanitary to say the least. All right, we got to keep the show moving. We got to roll out here. It's weekend preview. Do you care? Time, Rafe. Are you ready? I am so ready. All right. Well, slow I down on your smart. readiness because. We know you care about this Showtime card Saturday night in Houston. It's a title fight in the main event. It's Jermall Charlo defending his WBC interim strap against Brandon the Cannon Adams. Rafe, why don't we talk to that man right now before we find out whether you really do care? It's Jermall Charlo, Lions only brother, coming at you right now. Enjoy. All right, Jermall Charlo, my man, how you doing? Yeah, how you doing? Doing good, man. Pumped to talk to you ahead of this Saturday's fight. A homecoming in Houston on Showtime. How you feeling ahead of this? Man, I feel great, man. I'm ready to get it. Um, I'm always dreamed of. Not now it's finally here. It was going to be a great night. Any added pressure when 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 you're the man in the city? Everyone wants a ticket. Everyone wants to see you there this Saturday. No, there's no added pressure. I'm, I'm, um, I'm, I want to say I'm fairly used to it. Um, you know, I, when, when, when you fight this hard, it's always, it's always that one person that really want, you know, to be at your fight and you want them to be there, but they can't be, you know. No doubt. No doubt. Uh, big week and a half, big, big eight day, big seven, eight days for the Charlo bros. Of course, we're looking forward to your return on, on Saturday, but just on this past Sunday night in Vegas, it was your brother Jermel making that comeback on Fox against Jorge Coda. And he took the gentleman's soul, Jermall. Tell me your vantage point yeah. on that. How good did that feel? I mean, he, he did everything he said he was going to do. He, he listened to his coach. He trained very hard for the, for the, um, 
rematch against Harrison, didn't get it, but he stayed focused, and that was the end result to it. I mean, what kind of message does that kind of finish? In all respect to Jorge Cota for taking the fight on late notice, going in there and mixing it up, what does that say to somebody like Harrison who, you know, from Jermel's standpoint, he got robbed in that fight? Right. I mean, he got robbed in that fight, so it definitely shows that, like, you know, he's back. Yeah, absolutely. He looks fantastic out there. Now, as we look forward to your return here, talk to me about the choice of Brandon Adams as an opponent coming off that victory in Season 5 of the Contender Series. What kind of fight can we expect here? I mean, I'm a top-notch fighter. He's a top-notch fighter. So, um, with him, you know, being a, a contender and winning the show, um, I mean, he, he he has to be who he say he is um, to be getting in the ring with Jamal Shallow. So, I'm, I'm basically, I, I, I never, I, I don't take any opponent lightly. Um, and, and I'm, I train very hard for this fight. Um, as, as you see, me and my twin brother, we, we, uh, we take it serious. And, 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 you know, when you sign that contract, you, you sign your life away. So it's something we take serious. So it's what we do. Yeah, no question about it. Uh, Adams has two defeats, but he's been on the world level here before. Remember, he w- had a nice close-up on ESPN back in the day in the Boxino tournaments. Look, got some quickness, got some pop. What are you looking out for against him? Um, quick dude, he can fight a little bit. He was just standing there and fight with him. He want to box. Um, he want to come to me and uh, show my boxing skill. I box. Um, I make the best adjustments after we get there. You know, you're fresh off a really tough fight against a late replacement yourself and, and Matt Korobov there. Uh, he was able to really box and, and, and stretch you in that fight. In the end, you got the, the one up on him. What'd you take from, what'd you learn from that fight? Man, I'm eager to, to, um, revenge myself. I'm eager to show the world that I'm, I'm, I'm a lot better than, um, I showed in that fight. Um, I went through a lot of adversity with my brother losing in front of me. Um, it was a lot of emotional, it was an emotional fight, so I didn't take it, um, as well as I should have. And I feel, I feel like I should have taken it, you know, um, like the champ, but I, I got the win. Um, overall, you know, a pretty win is, I mean, an ugly win is better than a pretty loss. So I was satisfied with, you know, taking the win. Yeah. I mean, look, it, it's gotta be tough when you're, Facing a guy coming in to him, this is the biggest fight of his career, and and he's gonna hit you with a style that maybe you didn't prepare for. What was that sort of like addressing the X's and O's and and going into the deep rounds in that fight? Was it getting frustrating? Um, it was a little bit frustrating, you know, changing opponents at the last minute, didn't get a chance to you know see who I was fighting or anything. I just went straight into the fight, um, not knowing anything about him, never seeing his face before or nothing, just making adjustments. Now, you mentioned having seen your brother lost there, and I respect how that may have affected you. You guys are so close. You're twins. When it goes to the to the degree of, let's say, your brother's war of words with Tony Harrison, because ahead of Tony pulling out of this fight last week, they had a press conference. They filmed a face-to-face episode that was heated. Tony Harrison was saying some not-so-savory things that you can play on TV even though it's your brother going through that, do you end up getting like emotional in that? Do you end up feeling the man? I want to get Harrison back for this. I knew too. what he went through. Yeah, I definitely knew what he was going through. Me just now going through that same thing, but like I said, there was there's nothing we can do about it at the stage, the level. Got to continue to just keep, you know, wanting better and wanting more. So 
Um, it was just one of those things, you know. Yeah, absolutely. My brother did great. My brother did great. Um, not letting any of that bother him. For sure, for sure. Now, a fighter that you took care of during your junior middleweight days, Julian Williams, had a big upset over Jarrett Hurd as that 154 division that your brother is still a part of is really on fire these days. Having knocked out Julian Williams but mixed it up in their well, did you feel good for him to get that victory? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, it's a different fight. I felt great, you know, knocking him out, doing what I had to do to, against him, um, making him a better fighter. Hopefully, um, you know, he continued his, his reign as a champion and I wish him the best. You know, we were building, it looked like, to the big fight of Jermel against Hurd. Hey, I wouldn't mind Jermel against Julian Williams. I'm just saying that right there. That would be some good theater. But when it comes to Jamal's career, and as we move forward at middleweight, we've got Brandon Adams this Saturday. How do you navigate things, though, politically? Because things change all the time in boxing. Who is managing who? Who is promoting who? Who's got to deal with what network? It just so happens right now that the zone seems to have all the middleweights. Is it hard for you when you look ahead to your future in terms of finding big-name opponents? Um, All I can do is just call it like I see it, you know, like, I'm not so I'm not so focused on like finding the, the big name opponent. Uh they're there, you know. Um I guess the sooner or later they'll come out and I'll be able to get the the uh fights that I want. But as of right now this is what it this is what I have to go through. So I'm not taking it lightly, you know. I'm here to fight the best in the world. So sooner or later I guess those guys will get a chance to fight me. But when you watch Canelo beat Danny Jacobs, when you watch Triple G make a comeback, are you watching those fights going, man, I can beat them. I want this. I need this. Right. For sure. For sure. I'm watching them like, oh, my God. You know I can beat those guys. But at the same time, you know, there's nothing I can do about it right now. I got to continue to keep fighting and getting, those, uh, getting the cards that I want, you know. All right, I mentioned a name in there, Danny Jacobs. He lost to Canelo. He may be moving up to 168. We don't know. But there was a time, there was a day in Brooklyn when the Charlo brothers mixed it up with Danny Jacobs a little bit. I thought Jermel and Danny was going to be this big thing we were angling toward. Do you still think about that as a possibility, as a big-name fight for you? Oh, yeah, for sure. I love to fight Danny Jacobs. I'm a technical guy. You know, like I'm here to fight the best in the world. If he, um, if he get from like under the shell of a network hiding him. Um they'll see some of the like the other powers for real. And um and and the attributes and the speed and everything that we possess is the same. So like we, we, we down the fight whoever. Where are you in terms of your growth in your eyes? How much are you still learning? Enter you know, you're in your physical prime now at twenty nine, but the ring I'm sure it's a it's a lesson each time out. How much are you still adding to your game at this point? Yeah, I'm still learning. I'm still learning. I'm still, I'm still in the in the in the in the learning phase of my career and learning how to handle everything at the same time. So sooner or later we'll get those, you know, big names and we'll be able to show the world. Man, I feel like with you and your brother, the marketability. You guys are great interviews, always good sound bites. You always seem to be mixing it up there. Is there more for you guys than outside just the boxing? We got like acting or music in your future. I know that the hashtag lines only is a big thing. What's out there for the Charlos beyond this sport? Um, you know, lines only is, is becoming a big brand. It's becoming a big trend. Um, 
with every with everyone taking notice to us, it's just making us fight a lot harder. Um, cause, and it's making us have to really sit in there and survive with the you know with 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 the the fact that we're in line and we're ferocious and, and they don't really want to fight us and we got to get out there and get it um, to survive out here in, in the boxing world. It's one of those things. All right, final thoughts here. As things stand at 160, if you blow away Brandon Adams like you want to this Saturday on Showtime in Houston, homecoming bout, where do you think you stand in this 160 division? Um, I don't know. That's a good question. Um, I hope I get get a fight with Canelo and Golovkin. Hopefully, I wake up the the viewers. Hopefully, I wake up the you know the crowd and, and let them see that. Uh, we could fight here in Houston and just make it just just as well, just as good as any other fight they've had. Um, I'm one of the best middleweights in the world. I just got to show the world. All right, we're gonna find out more on this on this story, this chapter for Jamal Charles this Saturday on Showtime. I look forward to it, Jamal. Thanks for your time, man. Best of luck. Thank you, my man. Special thanks to Jamal Charlo Rafe. Let's break this down, this fight down. Uh, look, Brandon Adams, former Buxino man. He won season five. He lost five. Buxino, right? Yes, to William Monroe Jr. And he won season five of the contender against, uh, pause, pause, Sugar, Sugar Shane Mosley Jr. Um, how long can he last against a Jamal Charlo who is a fantastic middleweight, Rafe? I would put the over, I, look, the, 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 Real over will probably be about four or five rounds. I will, I think it'll go three. All right. It's a Saturday night showtime in Houston, the main event. I think Jamal Charlo will look. He's bigger. Knock him out. He's stronger. He's faster. I think inevitably Brandon Adams is sort of a warning track power guy. Like he looks good. He's got some skills, but he doesn't have that elite level skill across the board. It's potentially a long night for him. Co-main event is Erickson Lubin, who looked great in retiring Ishe Smith, coming back in a junior middleweight title eliminator against Zakaria Atu. I do not know Atu, Brute. Uh, I, nor do I, but it reminds me, did you ever watch uh, Mel Brooks' movie Life Stinks? No. No, there's a part where it's like, ha-choo, ha-choo, zigga bing bong boom ha-choo. Anyway, that's that's all I can think of. Um, right. hey, I don't care about that fight, Brian. I like me some Lubin, but I don't care. Uh, Eduardo Ramirez against Claudio Marrero, a featherweight title eliminator. You don't care about that, right? No, not really. Miguel Flores is back against Luis May. Luis May. All right, enough of that. Hey, Rafe, let's, let's start at the top here and find out how much you actually care about this weekend's fights. Not a loaded weekend, but we're going to go to Temecula. Hey, meet me in Temecula Friday night. ESPN, Rafe, not the plus, regular ESPN. By the way, shout out to uh 2018 State of Combat Content Provider of the Year, the great corner man, Evan Corn of Top Rank. He's a good, he's a top. Class act. He's a quality he's bloke. A top, yeah, top, top operator, quality bloke. Just, I, I, I got so many respectful things to say about Evan Corn. We corn have man. not um, cornulated our time with him off camera. Offline, we have not had beers or S Club buffets with. That I was about guy. to say we could go to the buffet someday. You know, good. This girl collection have one. We're going to be in Vegas soon. We need to have a big top rank fight, not one of these Fresno specials. A big top rank fight where you and I are there and we find out what the coroner man is really made of. He could be a weirdo. We have no, we really don't know yet. But I love that man. All right, I love him. I would hate to change his name to the Horner Man on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Who's Evan Corn? Nobody. Wow. All right. 
This fight is going to be a good one. It's Richard Kami defending his IBF lightweight title against Ray Beltran. Ray Beltran coming off of that war that you and I saw in Fresno against some Japanese some Japan guy. guy. <laughs> and uh, this one should be interesting because it feels like Bob is setting up Teofimo Lopez Jr. to fight the winner. If not Lomachenko, somebody's fighting the winner here, and, and we got we're trying to build toward Teo versus Loma. Kami brings it. This is fun. Does Ray Beltran have one more chapter left in his story, Rafe? I don't. I'm not going to count Ray Beltran out. I don't. I'm not. I don't favor him in this fight. I favor the Ghanaian. I'm. I, I'm. I'm. How does that? I always get that line just a little bit wrong. It's, he says something else. Who are you talking about? The great Al Bundy. Yeah, Al Bundy. Right? Al Bundy. Uh, the Russian, I think, is is that's it. More to my, more to my liking. Okay. Yes. Now, yes. So the Ghanaian in this fight is more to my liking, Brian. But but Beltran, he, how many times has he come in and fought poorly? It, it just hasn't happened. He, he looked good, uh, even in in a in a loss to Jose Pedraza last year. You know that he he is he's a tough. He fights like a tough tough gang member. And he, and, and I think we're going to see that, that level of effort and proficiency that, that he just always comes to the ring with. Kami is on an upswing. He's younger, stronger, fresher, you know, looked great in sending that some Georgia, Republic of Georgia guy to hell a couple <laughs> of months ago. Um, and so I'm excited to see how this fight works out. But look, if, if he, if, if Kami cannot discipline, to use our guy Max's Kellerman's term, he cannot discipline Ray Beltran. He's going to be in a war. I mean, this could be a really fun fight. I care. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm into it as well. Kami, I hope he, I, I hope he knows he could be in for something. And if he gets past this man, him and Tail would be, oh, that'd be theater. I need to see that thing. Co-main event, Carlos Adamas will take on Patrick Day at junior middleweight. Too bad Adamas cannot make Welter, so he is not in the Bud Crawford running anymore. But he's not bad. I like him a little bit. He can sneak it out sometimes. Sometimes he can let those hands go. Friday, same night, regular ESPN bringing you Kami, but ESPN Plus has a card from London, probably in the afternoon. It's O'Hara Davies in a junior welterweight main event against the puppet, Miguel Vasquez, who once signed his PBC deal inside of a McDonald's. Rafe, you don't care about this, right? I do not care. I, the only, the only Dave Davies, UK Davis I care about is the warlock, yes. Gareth Davies, who is what, like five and oh lifetime against Mike Coppinger in press room wow. wars? Wow. I once, uh, at the Anthony Joshua fight against Andy Ruiz Jr., MSG, ringside, ringside, the, the, the warlock comes up and he's always dressed like a, faded uk rock star and i love the warlock so i'm always like hey bro you you kind of look like uh you know a prime ozzy osbourne right now and and, and i was like you you wore the the waistcoat and he goes i'm also wearing my girlfriend's knickers and he pulls down his pants at ringside to explode expose the black thong that he's wearing. did he explode too Rafe, it was weird, but that's that's the warlock. He'll get handsy on you. He'll do that. Also, Ryan Walsh against Lewis Paulin in a British featherweight title co-main event. Nobody cares. Do you care about what Anthony? What are these words? Do you care about Anthony Diggit Yigit fighting Syar Osgul? I, I like Diggit Yigit mostly because he's the one boxer who posts regularly on our boxing the subreddit. He's always in there sharing his thoughts. Being a he, look, he's a he's a top 
top bloke. I'll All say right. that about Yankees. Friday in the zone from Milan, Italy. It's Ken Patera, Francesco Patera, fresh off that win over Louis the Sandman Ritson, will take on Paul Hyland Jr. for Patera's uh-huh. European lightweight title. Will you be watching in the zone? Oh, I, I sure will. I'm, I'm, I love watching Francisco Patera's erotic journey from Milan to Minsk. Wow, wow. Uh, also on Friday, it's a Mayweather Promotions Facebook card from Vegas. Angelo Leo against Mark John Yap. Y-A-P, Yap. He'll, wow, like, like, wow. He's Filipino. Like a former, uh, Charlo opponent, he will never fap, Rafe. And it's a junior weatherweight bout. Are you into this? Are you with Hell me? Hell yes, what? I'm into this. I like Angelo Leo. He's, he, he appears frequently in the Mayweather Boxing Club videos that I watch too much of. Talking to Jeff, giving those weird interviews. And Yap, that's a Filipino last name. I, if you box wreck him right now, I'm almost 100% sure you will find no. that he is some Philippines guy. No. And team, team Filipinas, Pinoy power all the way. I hope he upsets Angelo Leo. I, I don't think that will happen. Uh, with a, a Thailand guy. Uh, Friday, no US TV in Montreal. We have a title fight. It's Marie-Yves Dicari defending her IBF women's junior middleweight belt against Maria Lindbergh. Do you care, Rafe? Is it, where is this? Is this in Montreal? Yeah. Oh, I, I do like the Quebecois accent. I hope, I hope that we get the call from that, the announcer who, when the, who, who says, ooh la 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 yes. in French. Ooh la 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 la! Co-main event is my buddy, welterweight Michael Zuski versus TBA 10 rounds. Rafe, I've been following this bloke for years on Twitter. I love me some Michael Zuski. You, you woke on him? He's sort of this, uh, fresh faced Montreal white, some white guy? No? Zuski, it's, he sounds like a, like a big man at Duke. He just never really stepped up, I don't think. You you don't know this guy? I, I can't remember, man. He's now 30. He's welterweight. He's uh 32 oh, welterweight, and, huh? 32 and 1. Who did he take that L against? I know you don't care, right? This is more for me. Just you know. Did he fight Yves Ulis Jr.? Um he lost in 2015 against Konstantin Ponomarev. I don't know. All right. I'm done. I'm done. I, I know that name. I'm familiar with that name. It was name. at the Cosmo. It was probably a top-ranked card. Whatever. Moving on. Hey, Saturday night in DAZN. I think you care at least a little bit. In Providence, Dunkin' Donuts Center, it's Demetrius Boo Boo Andrade defending his WBO middleweight title against Machi Sulechki. Rafe, it's a good fight. It's a good-ass fight. 100%. That's a good-ass fight. Even I, I'm excited for this. Yeah, I care. I want to see Andrade in a real fight. This is that. Oh, and hopefully... Look, I'm not even going to say he needs to look good because I don't think it, he's that big of a favorite. I don't think this is a wash. I think this is just a competitive fight. I want to see how both guys approach it. Selesky can box a little. He can bang a bit. And Andrade, I think he's going to get to him. I mean, Andrade had to fight a little bit against Jack Kolke back in the day. Yep. And Maciej Selesky, he he took note of that. And he's like, look, this guy didn't even this guy didn't even blow out Jack Kolke. He did, this is a he fight, did Brian. Send Brian the Lion it. rose to hell. I think uh, Sulecki is the right kind of pressure opponent that will bring out the best of Andrade. And for Andrade's sake, he's had a tough run with sitting out because of promotions and all that. I would like to see him against a Canelo, Triple G, or Danny Jacobs to defend his title. So not that I'm cheering for him, but I, I think this is a challenge he can win. He should win. And I want to see if Demetrius Andrade is for real on the elite upper level, Rick, because he seems to have all the skills, dude. Yeah. He looks. I mean, I, I I'm an Android fan. I like I like even if he even when he's boring, the the talent wins out for me. I'm I root for guys who are clearly that good. But 
let's 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 get you in some fights that are actually going to test that, bring that talent out, and prove it. Agreed. Co-main event, interesting. A heavyweight bout: Joseph Parker in his debut fight with Matchroom Sport against Alex Leopi. Uh, let's champ, go, champ. Champ, you're going to need uh What you need, them pies that you had the other night, you need like five or ten more of those pies. That's going to help you get your confidence up. I'm talking to this man like I'm talking to this man, Rafe. Uh, Parker needs to deliver here. Yeah, this, this, the, 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 I mean, I don't even, Brian, do you have strong feelings about whether Leopi is a better or worse opponent than who he's fight, supposed to, was supposed to fight Eric Molina, who, who pulled out, I believe? I mean, Molina's gotta be washy by this point, right? You know, he looked good in, in stiff jabbing both Wilder and Joshua before getting sent to hell, but, uh, Leo. Is there a chance that this turns into a down under grudge match, a war, a Kiwi versus an Aussie? Live but from both, Providence, by the way. Both, live in Oceanic Super Bowl, live from Providence of all places, right? That's great. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the Aussies are going to be all out. Alex McClintock is driving down from Toronto right now to be there. It is the Down Under Heavyweight Super Bowl. The 39-year-old Lionheart Leopi is 32-7-4. He had that three-fight losing skid, which saw him get stopped by Vladimir Klitschko, lost a decision to Malik Scott, Lost a decision to Manuel Char, but he's back. He should lose. We'll see if Parker can finally look good. He has been a while since Parker's like looked good, right? Also on this card is a title bout. Khalid... I think he looks good right now, Brian. Wow. What you talking about? Khalid Yafai defends his WBA junior bantamweight title against Norbelto Jimenez. Rafe, what is that? No, I don't care. Hey, Shelly Vincent Superfly, is on. Superfly, baby, Superfly 4. Yeah, where's, where's Lawler? Shelly Vincent on this undercard as well. You may remember her collaborations with Heather Hardy. Um, also she on Saturday night. be wearing the, the painted on beard to the weigh-in. <laughs> uh, Saturday night, no US TV as far as I know, but in Mashantucket, Connecticut, in my backyard, Chad Dawson Rafe is back. By the way, I think Chad Dawson is training his son, Chad Jr., who's a up and coming fighter, but Chad's still in the game. An eight-round light heavyweight bout against Quentin Rankin. You care at all? Nah, I can't do it, Brian. I mean, I, I, I liked me some some Chad Dawson once upon a time, but it's hard to believe that this is a real comeback. If it is, I will get, I will be, I will jump on board. But I'm not ready to do that quite yet. All right, I, I, I used to love some Chad Dawson. I know he got boring. I think he never recovered from that brawl he had against Glenn, Glenn Johnson. Johnson in the first fight. Then the second fight was a sleeper, and from there, Chad. I know he came back against Behop and looked great in the second fight, but it just Styles make fights, Brian. Yeah. Styles make fights. Remember Floyd said Chad Dawson was top five pound for pound? He lived off that comment for a long ass time. Also Saturday, Niagara Falls, Ontario, no TV. Uh Custio Clayton versus Johan Perez in the main event, but Sammy Vargas comes back the welterweight versus TBA in the co main. You in on that? Find a stream or no? This is Sammy Vargas, the one who was sent to hell by Luis Colazzo. No, or I think it's well, the DSG Samuel. sent to hell one. The one who who knocked down Khan, maybe. Okay, that that's Samuel Vargas. Yeah, whatever. I don't care then. In that case, yeah. I'm only I'm only into Sammy Vargas from Pittsburgh. Hey, we all have problems, as Dwyer has said. Um, to close here, Rafe. Special thanks to Freddie Roach and Jermall Charlo for joining us this week. Revisit his collaboration Saturday on Showtime against Brandon Adams. Rafe, thank you for being part of this show, being part of my life. You have anything you want to say? It's just a tug of war of kindness at all times, Brian, and I'm grateful to be here. You and I are like James Kirkland said. We are so close. I told my team the other day. I say I want to be on on him so close. <laughs> it's gonna feel like we're. I want him to smell my breath, smell my tension. If I haven't showered in three days, I want him to smell the must 
I want him to smell and understand that I'm here for a dog fight. Rafe, that's how our friendship has evolved to. I think that's magic, Brian. Yes. Dig it again. Indeed. Oh, dig it again! Dig it again! <laughs> yeah, that's it. Enough ridiculousness for one week. Hey, check out our collaborations on the State of Combat MMA show this week. The great Sugar Rashad Evans is back. Also, pro wrestling every Wednesday with Adam the Silver King. That's about it. The only thing left to say is, Rafe. We out.